Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the podcast, and today my guest is none other than Paul Everest, the uh, founder of Unit. Uh, him and his brother founded Unit, uh, and man, it was really just this force of Australian action sports and really global action sports. Uh, they're one of the companies that have the picture of starting in the parents' garage kind of deal. Uh it was a massive company that you know peak turnovers twenty million dollars a year, and it actually in five years surpassed the sales of Fox in Australia. It's a really remarkable story. Um, they had this crazy high and then this crazy low. The brothers ended up losing the company, um, and then didn't end up talking for a period of time. So, but since that time, Paul really hasn't done a lot of media or sort of told that story. Um, so it's been something that I've been looking forward to sitting down and talking with him about for years, literally since I started the podcast. Um, we talk about the unit stuff probably at about an hour and a half uh, into the podcast, myself and Paul, we've got some very similar interests when it comes to the world of physics and metaphysics, and we're both very amateur, I guess, uh, amateur philosophers and amateur physicist nerds, I guess you could say. And we've kind of had this back and forward for a long time, like sharing different articles and things like that. Um, so for the first kind of hour, hour and a half, we kind of really dive into some of that stuff, um, which is something that we've, I guess, both look forward to uh, talking to each other about for a while. So if you're just here for the unit stuff, go to, I think it's probably an hour and a half uh, of the way into the podcast. Um, but nonetheless, super interesting chat. It was so cool to um, to get to talk to Paul about not only unit, but some of, yeah, these other kind of topics that we're both super interested in. Um, and yeah, it gets deep, like super deep. So, um, stoked to share this one with you guys. And yeah, really the unit side of this podcast is just remarkable. Like the, what those guys achieved and the, I guess you could say the fall from grace. Uh, and then now Paul getting ready to restart his entrepreneurial career, um, pretty much as we drop this podcast. So it's a really, really cool one. Uh, he's a super interesting guy with an extremely weird brain. And, uh, I feel like I gravitate to people with weird brains because I've probably got one of those myself. Uh, just got to give a shout out to our sponsors for this episode. Uh, the guys 
at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au for everything. Motorcycles, you've probably... I'm literally about to drive there. As soon as I do this, I'm driving to MX Store. I've got to pick up an oil filter to do a chain oil change for my 350. There will be some fresh Motorex blood going into the beast. Uh, so yeah, MX Store for me, it's just obviously around the corner from our studio, but they do same day shipping if you order. Um, before a certain time so just check when you're doing the shipping if that option is available to you uh, a ton of really cool stuff is dropping right now uh, all the 2021 gear is dropping and i've had my eye on the new alpine star stuff uh, looks really really good um so the obviously the new bell stuff as well um i've been running some 2021 bell gear so this is a pretty exciting time uh to log on to mxstore.com.au uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at rival inc design co uh my 350 graphics had just got done for um for the big girl and we're about to start working on the screaming eagle kit for this rockhampton race coming up on the second and third of october um, i absolutely love working with Statsy and I just froth every time I get sent uh, a design proofed uh, and I know that the fit and finish of the graphics is second to none. You can use the code GYPSYGANG to get 15% off at Rival Inc. Design Co. Uh, also got to give a shout out to the guys at Cricks Tweed. You can head to crickstweed.com.au. They are still giving away that KTM 450. Uh, it's a 2020 brand new. All you have to do is buy a new or used car from the guys at Cricks. Also brought to you by Boost Mobile. Special shout out to Boost. It's 20 years that Boost has been in business and uh, look, they've just been killing it this entire time. It's an incredible company and I'd love to have Peter Adderton on at one point just to talk about really just taking on the world as a as an Aussie telco. So boostmobile.com.au, you've heard me talk about it before. They are the best prepaid service provider in Australia and I cannot do a podcast without thanking the glove lord himself at fisthandwear.com you can use the code fuckjace to get 20 percent off uh, hopefully some new gypsy gloves dropping soon and also dixon quality you can head to dixonquality.com.au you can use the code ramp thief for 15 percent off uh, and they've just dropped a bunch of uh, new stuff. And I'm actually going to be able to get a leopard print shirt that isn't short. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I really appreciate everybody. This has been a really great month for us. Um, we've been really grinding hard. And it's, uh, it's cool to see how into it everybody is. Shout out to everybody doing the mid 2K builds. Uh, you can follow the hashtag mid2k on Instagram to see what all the crew has going down. And you can also head to gypsytales.com if you want to cop some merch. Paul Everest, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I didn't expect the um, drink. I appreciate it. Well... <laughs> I figure that this is a fucking hell of a story. Hopefully. I don't know about hopefully. Cheers, mate. Paul Everest. Welcome to Gypsy Tales. Cheers. Have a quick little sip of this. And we're on. Just like that, we're going we're gonna to dive into the, the mind of Paul Everest. One <laughs> of the uh, more interesting, maybe like stories and characters that I've kind of come across in my travels across uh this uh this little world that we're in 
I'm good to be here and uh, yeah I've seen your show and uh, it's good that there's a moto podcast I think it's uh, of this caliber so glad to be here no I appreciate it dude we've been talking about this for a long time like pretty much since I started this podcast I knew that at some point you were going to come on we've spoken about it for a long time and that I feel like they always happen at the right time and uh yeah it's definitely cool to to get you in at the moment and it's like I know you're a dude like we talk we've had some like weird conversations on messenger about like just a bunch of completely unrelated shit about like fucking weird physics and you know different sort of uh different shit so it's gonna be cool to have a bit of a sparring partner like that I'm really, as I said, pleased to be here. And uh, yeah, I like uh, multiple topics. Like motocross has always been a big part of my life. But yeah, the, the, the more time goes on, the more I get interested in everything. And um, deep conversations always been something that um, I go to. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I enjoy it. So you sent me some notes about some different things. And I remember reading that you guys grew up in Papua New Guinea. But that re- fully refreshed my memory, and that's probably as good a place to start as any. What was the reason you guys even started, like you grew up there? Yeah, so my family's been up there for three generations. My grandmother, <coughs> excuse me, and my grandfather went up to Rabaul, which is like... Pull this a little bit closer. Yeah. Sorry. <coughs> so Rabaul is like an island off the coast of Papua New Guinea, which was where the Japanese housed their main military and navy during the war. Yeah. So that my grandparents lived there for a while and they moved to a coffee plantation in the highlands of Papua New Guinea and that's where my mom was born <clears throat> and uh essentially yeah we just we just lived there in a coffee plantation went to school with American missionary kids and got introduced to BMX and uh it was like I think it's probably one of the greatest bit of luck I had actually growing up yeah. in, in a third world country um and just yeah it's it's like another universe it's nothing like Australia at all yeah so what was what was that experience like then if you say that it was something that was lucky like what would you attribute luck to in that situation I think it's like a perspective on life you know Mm. um I think yeah especially at that time too so it was and it still is a very exotic place like it's it's Mm. still it's the jungle yeah it is you know and um yeah just just seeing like or just growing up as a child in another place and coming to Australia like if people say to me where am I where am I from I say I'm from Papua New Guinea like I still mm. don't feel like I'm an Aussie as, as such um, and yeah just seeing poverty seeing like um, you know just a different way of life mm. and um, yeah I think it was a very valuable stroke of luck for me and it sort of shaped my entire future uh, and yeah I still wish I could go back and, and live there in many ways but you know there's certain things about the world that mean you've got to be mm. in a you know civilization so yeah. Um, yeah that's probably the ultimate thing though just just the perspective of it and, and just the just the exoticness of it mm. there's not many places in the world too where you can be white and be the minority true in fact I had lunch with my brother this morning <clears throat> sorry this afternoon and uh, yeah we both had that conversation like uh the world seems so you know about group identity at the moment and we were kids we just never even thought mm-hmm. of that you know and I think we were the minority when we look back and uh yeah it was just like race never played a part in that and um yeah we just we still you know have all friends from back in, in those days now and uh it was uh yeah just 
it's it's almost I can't, I can't describe how how much different it was to Australia. You know, just uh, like I said, it feels like another universe. And um, yeah, just growing up with American missionaries as well in New Guinea, like you yeah, know. So like, what was that like? Yeah, so they were all um, mostly Americans, and um, so essentially, like, how did can you explain like how that come about then for like the American missionaries in Papua New Guinea? Like, what's the kind of yeah, backstory? Yeah, why the hell are they there? there? Yeah. Great question. So there's um, 900 languages in Papua New Guinea. It's got more languages than any place on earth. Really? And yeah, so these guys are sponsored by their churches back home and they have to translate the Bible to each individual language. So it's a pretty big undertaking to do. So they would go and literally build an airstrip in some place that's hardly seen a white person and uh, or a helicopter pad. And then that family would move to that tribe, learn their language. So their kids would be the only speakers of that language outside of that valley. Um, and then they would translate the Bible to that language. Uh, and then that would be, probably there would be maybe 500 families doing that. Um, yeah, that's crazy. The eh? best people though, like really lovely people, they wouldn't swear, they're very well mannered and um, yeah, great, great human beings. Many of them are my friends to this day. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more of an agnostic, I suppose, in terms of my worldview, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, friends to this very day. Yeah, because uh, people, I don't think people like have a general knowledge of how savage Papua New Guinea is. Like, that's actually one of the more, in terms of like native people, Papua New Guinea is one of the more savage tribal, uh, I guess, like races, countries, like groups ever. Well, yeah, it, it's certainly got a reputation for headhunting and so on. Like, there's photos that my grandmother has of, like, a dude just holding a head. Fuck, you know, really? Just near where they lived. Um, <clears throat> like, Michael Rockefeller, the famous American family, he was he was uh, hunted and killed and eaten. Really? Yeah, in 1961. Wow. Yeah, so not a lot of people know that, but he, he was in a canoe, and they were actually paying the local tribespeople in machetes to get them to fight for video. Like, they were literally... They're trying to capture anthropological footage of like you know like a, a tribe that's hardly ever seen the civilization and trying to get them to fight yeah and uh there was a dutch um army essentially in place at that time but uh yeah they they basically he, he got sort of shipwrecked on his little canoe at one stage and the locals just ate him <laughs> so, that's so heavy eh? yeah because yeah. it's like famous for cannibalism and just like pure pure savagery there well, yeah, I think, um, yeah, civilization's full of savagery. Mm. Every race, every every creed, every religion. Uh, it just so happens that PNG is, you know, just more recently come into mm. the modern world, so to speak. So, um, but yeah, I mean, growing up there's amazing. Like one of my best mates who's still up there, he's got footage of his drone flying over an enemy tribe and they're shooting arrows at his drone. And I'm like, this is the best footage I've ever seen. Sell because, this shit to DJI, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it could be because... Um, you know, I don't think that I can't think of any other place where you've got modern technology interacting with primitive straight tribalism. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really is amazing watching this footage. You see these like warriors like pulling back on the arrows, and then these arrows like coming past the drone. And um, he's just such an interesting dude. I, you know, I grew up with him, um, and they have to take their uh, takings from the plantation to Lay, which is like the main city up there. And uh, they have to wear bulletproof vests, MP5s. Yeah, um, yeah. And like he actually ordered a tank uh, and the, the, the Port Moresby um, 
like all the PNG, like import place. Like who the hell is this dude ordering a tank? And so in so doing, he got to meet all the kind of high brass of government and uh, they didn't let him get a tank. Uh, but yeah, he's just an absolute legend of a guy and so many stories. So like, what's he do up there now to like live there forever and stay there? Because I imagine like... I'm not sure what the industry is, like what you would actually be doing there. So his family had the coffee plantation across uh, from ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's just recently moved to another island in a different industry. Uh, and he's he's a Kiwi by, you know, nationality, but he's he'll never leave PNG. He's like, yeah, he's he just wouldn't. I mean, he is an amazing individual, like business and everything else, but I just can't imagine him being like in, in Sydney or in Auckland. World, yeah. yeah, so, um, but yeah, some of the stories he's got, like, are just incredible. And um, yeah, again, he, he just considers himself really lucky as well to, to have grown up there. And um, there's very few uh, white plantations left. Like, I think there was like 30 uh, coffee plantations at one stage. They called it Green Gold. And I think there's only like one or two led by expats still yeah. to this day. So, yeah, times are changing. Crazy history. Was it? Were the Dutch the first ones to colonize PNG? Dutch, German, <clears throat> and um, you can tell by the churches. Yeah. Because um, every every little place has a sharp building in the middle of it. You know where you come in, convince them of a different god, and then you take over, right? Yeah. So it's funny watching that sort of play out. When I mean, those churches are all still there, but the local language. Pid- Pigeon English is a mixture of Dutch, German, and English. Yeah. So depending on what part of the country you're talking about, it was yeah. a different skew. Um, and that's all quite recent, you know. We had, because uh, we grew up in Cairns, and it's funny, like, we were the minority, in, uh, not in terms of the city itself, but in so many of the things that we did. Like, I played for Brothers Football Club, which was a black football club, essentially, and we had all these boys from TI, all these boys from PNG, and it was me and one other dude were the only white kids on this team for like 10 years. And yeah, like all the different languages that the boys spoke, and it was just, yeah, it was crazy to be a part of that. And it wasn't till I went to America, and I just kind of realized that people don't associate Australian, like Australia at all with having these like indigenous kind of population it just seems like such a an afterthought like if you think about america you think about the the you know native american indians and but like australia man it's just such a forgotten or like an untold part of our history and i've really i i took it for granted because i lived there and it was probably the same thing for you that it's very obvious when you leave and you come to australia that like it just isn't a spoken about thing which is kind of disappointing yeah it is interesting spending a lot of time in the states which i know you have and like the perception of what australia is <clears throat> and like people are like oh there's kangaroos everywhere yeah and, yeah you know i mean there actually is like i live here in berlin now too we had a koala at my front door the other day uh, which you know like just it is that that sort of um yeah like uh cliche but uh yeah with, with PNG and the locals, you know, and the indigenous communities, they are so talented with sport and they... Crazy, dude. Yeah, if they had more opportunity, they would r- run the game. And um, I think there's talk of Papua New Guinea entering the NRL. That'd be sick. Yeah, so uh, the Kumuls, they're called. So uh, that won't be far away. And I think they'll actually... They'll be a damn good team. <laughs> yeah, the thing that... Like, we had a bunch of, um, like, Aboriginal Torres Strait PNG boys that were just, like, next-level talented, but they're still such a tie to family in those communities that there's guys that would get like contracts with the Penrith Panthers go down there like 
full scholarship full everything paid for like you just got to stay here and like train and then they'd last a week yep, and then book yep. a flight and they'd go yeah. home and they're just like some of the most talented dudes that you like and there's other guys that make it to the NRL that came from our town as well and they were just nowhere near as good as these other dudes but there's still such like a they're not removed from that tribal tight knit family and it's still the way that they live it's a culture shock for them like having to go into like a professional athlete scenario where you're eating and training and on repeat um it yeah i think that bridge will get gapped at some point mm. um and just thinking about like in png like even the bmx riders, like, so a couple of the locals were amazing bmx riders like yeah. um, a friend of mine andrew sarave was he's like a little highlander but his like calf muscles were like this and he would just decimate all the top american kids you know and and i think he went to worlds and like got in the top 10 you know oh, this shit. is like in 1988 or something like that and um yeah, so like when when the conditions are right and they they have the opportunity, they will just they're unbeatable. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's a lot of like even just the Native American, uh, that sorry, the African Americans in America. It's just like they dominate fucking <laughs> everything, man. It's just like not even close. Eh? And that's crazy over there because they're like doing combines and stuff to where they're measuring everything. It's like vertical leap, their long uh, like static long jump the 40 yard dash they're measuring their bench press over x amount of weight x amount of reps and their time it's just like and the stats are just so definitive it's like you're white you're shit like <laughs> essentially you know like you just don't see it yeah i think uh you know like i was seeing an interview with someone recently who was saying like the the worst player on the worst team in america who's on the bench who's the last to be picked is the most insanely good player at nfl or whatever that like just to just to look at how good they are and they're the worst in the game is just he realized he was never going to make it yeah and yeah just the level like to have and live to eat and breathe that sport and look at motocross now like motocross is now at that level where these guys have to perform you know on that level and be elite athletes so it's probably been that way now for 10 years but mm. um yeah it's if you want to be a sportsman you've got to invest everything you've got into it and um yeah it's uh it's certainly a, a lifestyle that uh, not everyone can handle no nah, that's yeah that's for sure so bmx was like the thing that was big over there for you guys well purely because these american kids needed something to do and uh they were sponsored by their churches back home who were quite wealthy so you would you would go to the local BMX track. It's the most exotic BMX club in the world. It's in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And so you would turn up on the track and there'd be GTs and Skyways and Haros and Redlines and Diamondbacks yeah. and Hutches, etc. And I remember some there was like a, a bit of a turmoil where the local church found out how good the bikes were at, in, in Papua New Guinea for these kids that were meant to be in the in the exotic highlands of PNG. And why have they got all these amazingly expensive, you know, BMX bikes? So there was a little bit of uh, drama involved with that. But um, it was what kids did you know you didn't have internet you didn't have yeah you know um, what, what year were you born i was 79 so yeah, yeah so 80s 80, i was an 80s kid and so growing up there racing bmx was that mid 80s yeah period and yeah. uh in many ways it was the beginning of modern action sports kind of yeah well it was a golden era for bmx and I, like I'm a branding guy so like I learned all my branding from being a BMX kid all mm. those brands were so rich you know like as the ones I just reeled off like just the dude the, Redline Haro 
Mongoose. Mongoose every, GT. You know, yeah, so like Diamond I look... Diamondback. Yeah, I, I remember thinking um, <clears throat> I got into branding without realising it because like, yeah. I wanted that bike. And, you know, later in life, my parents couldn't afford like the top bike. So later on in life when I was successful, I was able to go back and get revenge and buy those bikes, you know, and, and I've still got a really cool little collection. And, uh, yeah, I think we were blessed with really cool brands and... and uh, yeah, like that's what got me thinking about that, I suppose, in the early days without realizing. Dude, that's so true because I was so influenced by um, my uncle Glenn made the Mud Cows movies, like the BMX mm-hmm. film, uh, mountain bike films. I'm not sure if you saw. I have. Like, Alan Hardy's told me all about it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, Mud Cows, man, like that was like my uh, introduction into like filming. And then we had like Crusty Demons and The Great Outdoors and Terra Firma. And because my dad would like my dad and his buddies would watch these films when we were kids and so when i started filming that's what people would always say like oh where'd you learn how to film and it's like all this shit like (laughs) all we've done is watch film our entire life so it just seemed very easy for me to just like make what i had already watched you know you're a product of your environment yeah in many ways your life um you, you you really will be guided by what you know and you just fall into it or you mm. didn't choose it it chose you you know and like just watching the crusty demons you know like i remember sitting on a couch and it must have been like 96 and i just thought that is the best thing i've ever seen and i mm. i want to do that you know yeah. and so uh that steered me towards my career in, in action sport and um yeah just watching that footage you know and and i'm i'm mates with john uh uh, dana and um and the guys and and it's like yeah just i i pinpoint that day as like that's when it started for me you know what day was that just just watching the video online you know not online sorry on on a video on the old cassette you know and so uh, i must have watched it a million times and crusty demons was was it man we had my one of my uncles used to bring that he would talk about it like oh dude crusty crusty six or crusty seven comes out next week and uh i'll come over friday night and then i remember like everyone the lounge room's quiet and like everyone's there and it's like you pop the tape in it was like a premiere in your living room and i mean this movie had probably been out for fucking year by the time it got to australia got to platypus or whoever distributed it back then and then got to wayne leonard motorcycles and then got in the vcr and like man we just flogged those tapes out it's all we did as kids i still have the first gray crusty demons video and it's so like flogged from that same reason we just played every song you know you know every song so i think a lot of people in our industry will share that same experience and it was the golden era of, of motocross as well you know in many ways and every trick was just such a you know like a no-hander or you know like it was it was so uh mundane but it was it was the first time those things had been done yeah you're just like exposed to something like completely completely new and that's like maddie when we were riding mx farm they got this pretty big triple up this hill there and maddie mac was doing this big double foot can can and it's just like we're all just like oh dude that's so funny (laughs) and it's like you know 15 years ago if you could do a double footed can can off a 130 foot uphill triple you're like one of the best riders in the world yeah it's just escalated so quickly and um <clears throat> yeah like I, I wonder where fmx can can go from here you know um when you look at like you just mentioned alan hardy and it's like what he's done now in in his career and we'll probably get into the the film side of unit a bit later on but like 
man, you guys pretty much built unit off these fucking insane video projects, and it, it was it's crazy when you know you think about Alan and then you go all the way back to his influences which was Mud Cows and then he made his own adaptions films and you know and then to see the work that he's doing now with that Parkway Drive film it's just like yeah you can literally draw a line through from that those days through to today and uh, yeah it's so interesting seeing people in industry who were around and where they're at like yourself and like you know it's it's amazing to see yeah what places they've gone mm. to and and what's happening and uh you know you're you're in charge of your life and your destiny and and it's good to see people staying in moto and you know a lot of people have like moved away from moto because the industry is not as, ba- as mm. massive as it was but like i, I can't leave <laughs> i'm never leaving you know so um i've had a bit of hiatus uh but yeah those stories are amazing and it's just people who just put the hard work in and, and captured it and um I think I gave Alan his first job after Channel 9. He used to work at Channel yeah, 9. And yeah. so he would have all this cool footage and then we would just sort of build some videos together. And uh, that really created a lot of the groundswell for Unit to sort of become known. And um, it wasn't easy though. Like videos were still, you had to go to the I was going to gonna say, like you needed to be a visionary to invest in videos at the time that you guys did. And dude, I remember, I remember like $500 Unit checks for for like video sponsorship for you know (laughs) mx nationals and shit and it's like it was the like it's funny too when people would say like oh the podcast just did so well so quick and it's like man the fucking podcast in the same way that alan started by filming his friends for adaptions back in like 2004 five probably it's like everything just starts it's such a long grind you know and it's like we've all been in this game for so long and i remember trying to convince people back in 2006 2007 when i first started filming that like man i'm telling you facebook's gonna be massive instagram wasn't out yet youtube wasn't even really a thing like i remember all the first videos were on vimeo that that i did and it's like fuck it's a it's a, been a crazy long road to get to this point and it ends up it's only sort of nowadays that i'm thinking like this was a career like i'm a career dude at, <laughs> at this yeah and you didn't know you'd end up here in, at the beginning and i nah. think that's how life goes i think if you just dedicate yourself to something and and um yeah i love the expression people don't have ideas ideas have people and mm. i feel like so many of my friends have been successful they didn't start out thinking of where they'd end up but they've gotten there through just you know persevering through the hard times and um you know just going for it having a vision and sometimes your vision is going to be slightly off of where you end up but um yeah just setting goals and and chasing dreams really that's that's what we're all here for that's why existence is is, is existing you know that's my theory <laughs> yeah the um the the thing too that you see with somebody that's successful such a common theme is that it's not a goal orientated thing i think there is people that are successful in that and i feel like real estate agents and stock market dudes like feel like there's a special category that's reserved for guys that are super motivated by money and you know like an end result a goal a house a certain type of house a certain type of car that kind of shit but i feel like the the people that uh for the vast majority of people that are quote unquote successful, it was just this process that they just constantly invested in in this process. And I think that for myself, I can attribute that, like I just never got a job. 
yeah. I just was like, I'll be poor until I figure it out. <laughs> and it is what it is because it's worth more to me to have the X, Y, and Z in terms of like my own freedom and I'd rather be responsible for my own fuck-ups and, and do things like my own way. But it was never, there was never a goal of like, I want to own this or I want to have that or... And, and again, it's like the goalposts shift if you do set them. And if you live by something that, you know, a goal is just a mirage in the desert, really. And it's sort of, you know, no one's really ever told to, to really follow a mirage. Well, yeah, and I think you just end up doing what you love, right? Like if you're smart enough to stay in what you love and sometimes the path can lead you away from that. But if you, if you do what you really enjoy... And like as a kid, I just loved art and I loved motocross, BMX. And so like creating a brand was mm. the, the fusion of those things. So it was quite, it just felt normal to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like in life, you've just got to figure out what you enjoy and see if you can build your world around that. And it may not have like, you know, it might not be a high monetary income place to start or like, you know, it might be something else. But if you don't do what you love, you're not going to enjoy life. So yeah i think that's where you want to start is like figuring out what you enjoy and everyone's good at something yeah no one no one's bad at everything you know so and the other thing too is like you can get good at shit like where you start a thing is fucking nowhere near where you finish a thing if you do it for one year two years three years four years five years you know ten if you're in something for ten years it's like you can get to a point where you're so good at something that you don't even know you're that good at it because you've just done it for so fucking long. Like I, I think about that in my my own skill set when I look at like filming and editing. I can pick up any camera in the world. I can use all the editing software, you know. And it's like I'll when I'm with a person that's new to it. That's when you really realize how far you've come. Yeah. Because at one point you were new to it, and I don't think people. Uh, I think that Sam Moore posted a quote the other day where he said that uh, people underestimate what they can do in five years and overestimate what they can do in one. Mm -hmm, true, I like it. And I feel like if you are the person that can always invest in something for five years before you even take stock on your position in that thing, then you're probably going to do really fucking well. But if you're analyzing every three months where you're at, whether it's, you know, you start a podcast or you start a brand or whatever, uh, at that, you know, not many people are good at shit straight away. And, and just immerse yourself with people who are good at that stuff and it rubs off on you, right? So, like, I love going to the skate park and... You can in, pull, pull this close. In, yeah, it in, can move. Yeah. In doing unit for many years, hanging out with all the top athletes, you'd go to, like, the skate park mm. or, or the bowl and some kids turned up to try and do a tail whip and one of our top athletes who's on 100 grand is bothering to have 10 minutes with that kid to just to say, no, you put your foot here mm. and you wait and then you, you put your foot back on the pedal, not on the frame. And he went out of his way to show that kid that thing because he was that kid. Mm. And I love seeing that, you know, and I feel like skate parks don't get the sort of, I think maybe more so now, but, you know, like those are places where kids are learning and mm. um, it's the same across whatever it is you do. You know, go and, like I got good at graphic design because I sat next to a guy called Al Mitchell at Freerider Magazine. He was designing longboarder and and surfing life and i thought he was the greatest graphic designer i'd ever seen mm. and so i would just like learn off him you know and i still credit him for for what i've achieved with with design and so on is just i just sat next to him <laughs> and I, I was on a really low pay pay grade at this magazine place but as i saw it as they were paying me to learn you know mm. and i think a lot of kids 
maybe yeah that's not always obvious to some kids but yeah just getting in the right place to learn from someone who's good at it will take you far Mm. yeah i think there's uh there's a bunch of like factors going on with that kind of shit these days because i i just look at instagram is such a fucked up place for seeing where people are at right now and it's it's really hard i think about like my uncle glenn he was a sign writer and he was like a brush sign writer kind of guy you know and one of the last of that trade to do it with brush and oils and he was doing buses by hand and all that sort of shit and like i used to go do work experience with him when i was a kid all my school holidays where we didn't go up up the cape i went and hung out there and you just see that one guy and it was real easy to have you could kind of have this roadmap to where you were like oh man if i do this for this long like i can be like him but now you look on instagram and all you see is every motherfucker just crushing it and then you're like oh it's not like there's this one outlier that if i get really good i can sort of be like my mentor it's just there's just this like sea of success that makes shit look so fucking impossible for people yeah you're just swamped by it and i think yeah it's easy to give up and yeah i think uh it's tougher to be a young kid now in some ways because of that like you're Mm. you're paying a higher psychological price for where you're at and um yeah i think instagram especially for young girls as well like suicide rates amongst young girls since instagram came about just have shot up um you know all of that sort of stuff is like it's changing how we live and Mm. our culture is being affected by it dramatically um yeah there's some benefit but overall it makes you wonder whether it's uh having a positive impact or not yeah i feel like it's just what you make it in terms of like i don't look at it as a I don't look at it as a negative experience. I've had a bit of a new concept with it to where like I've really pretty much stopped scrolling. Like it's very, very rare that I will now scroll, but I've kind of had this weird theory of just like input. Like I want to control input as much as possible because I mean, we, we can get as fucking weird into like the rabbit hole of like consciousness and shit as you want. But I've been doing a lot of reading about just free will and whether free will exists at all and yeah essentially it doesn't like you've because you don't get to i mean there's some people can fucking read into it if they really want without me getting too deep but it's like if i say the word three you didn't have a choice in that input into your consciousness and if if i like if i'm speaking to you in english and you know english you don't have a choice in understanding what i said to you so and there's a simple sort of test that you can do to where it's like, what's a movie? Name a movie. Predator. Why didn't you say the Titanic? Because I'm a man and Titanic's too girly. <laughs> have you but have you seen the Titanic? I have seen it. So did you choose between Predator and Titanic or did you just say Predator? Yeah, I think it's just sitting there like there's certain things that you just know and love. And when that, when that like, it's like, like your brain's like a computer if it brings up a folder. Yeah there's a particular like highest level in that folder that says movies i love predator yeah yeah <laughs> and uh yeah i, I know the, the argument you're, you're talking about with free will and it's a fascinating one like you hear all the top intellectuals arguing mm. whether it's real or not it's fascinating yeah i think that on that level in terms of like you really don't get to choose your thoughts what the free will that you have is how you react to the thoughts that appear because you don't have a choice in what does actually appear. So then when I started thinking about that, I'm like, well, fuck, like, I feel like to be in quote unquote control, you would have to limit the amount of inputs that you don't have a choice in. So it's like, 
if you are being way more selective about the inputs that are hitting you, then you can theoretically, in my mind, have more time to decide what you want to do with those inputs as opposed to just being bombarded. Like you can swipe up on, and I guess this is sort of where I'm going with the Instagram thing is like, you got your phone and then you like, you scroll and then like every, all the content is here. Like it's already under there. You don't know what the fuck yeah. it is. You don't have any control. You might be not doing well with money, but an ad hits you just at the right time, the right thing. You're not even going to think that you don't have the money or that you've got a bill coming up. You go in, you buy the shoes or you buy whatever it is. And then I'm like, fuck, you're living without choice. Like you're not choosing the inputs that are coming into your brain. And then if you don't have a certain distance between or like a level of awareness at that level, then it's like you're on fucking autopilot. So the Instagram thing to me is just like, I want to eliminate that complete random multiple fucking multiple choice of what I am going to see, which will then create a thought. And then it's like, I feel like the more that you can do that, the easier your life will be to have, you know, some form of control if it kind of, if in fact it does exist. But when you talk about kids and social media, kids don't have that level of awareness. And it's like, you're just scrolling and like, you can see something that makes you jealous. You can see something that makes you uh, insecure. You can see something that will give you a feeling of anxiety. And it's like, I'm looking at it as just like this little fucking random Pandora's box of any potential thought and emotion that you're not in control of. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm out. Like, I ain't doing it. Well, yeah, the human brain is now having to take, it's like having to download so much, you know, data bytes of, you know, memory and information. If we were cavemen back in the day, we probably, I don't know, we took one megabyte in a day. I don't know what the actual yeah, number no, is. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Huh? But now it's like, you know, is it 15 gig? Or what, you know, how do you work that out? But yeah. um, we're just becoming more and more computerized and we're just becoming more and more um you know uh just at the at the whim of what this information this little screen that we little rectangle we're carrying around with us is just feeding us all of this stuff and yeah I'm, i've noticed in my life like just having to just no nah, i'll put it away mm. and um yeah it's like the world is just changing rapidly and we're just we're just becoming digital beings we're moving from mm. the analog we're like an old vinyl player that's being converted to mp3 Mm. and that's happening as we speak and it's just uh yeah like where where it goes from here who knows it is it's super fucking weird man like the the uh i've been going pretty for the last like year and a bit pretty into um meditation and like but mindfulness not any sort of like no religion around it no i think we're pretty similar in our like views of i guess just the universe and not exactly religious and shit like that but just understanding like the different levels of like the mind and the self and the ego and the the more that i'm in that like looking into that and the more i'm learning it's like the sort of the past path to happiness for like all of the fucking eastern philosophical you know religions if you want to call them that is like the removal of the self like you're not yourself like the self is this construct of the input so the self is this like what is it like to be me and then you you create that self based on all of the data that you've been given in your life but there exists that there's like a receiver of that those inputs 
and I don't think that people understand that there's like a disconnect. And then when you start thinking about it on that level and then trying to kind of distance yourself from yourself, then to go and add a digital copy of that self, which is if you want to listen to the, um, the, those kind of, that kind of philosophy, it's like you're making a copy of a copy. And it's like, what the, f- like we're getting fucking weird <laughs> then if, if it's like, if we should be kind of getting away from the self in terms of like what we, what we think about our, you know, presence in the world. But then, you know, we want to go deeper again by making a digital copy. I'm like, ooh, fuck. This doesn't, this is starting to like get freaky for me now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, ultimately we're not designed to be able to figure out what's going on, you know, like it's, it's meant to be this way. Mm. The actual answer was probably beyond reach. Yeah. And that's that's how this game or simulation or whatever you want to call it is designed. We, we're not allowed to know, you know. It's well, a- I've always, I remember like my first thought like we think about this shit a lot both of us like a lot of our conversations that we have had <laughs> have been about this kind of shit and i always i remember being super fucking young man and the way that i would explain like not i don't know how to even say it but like my thought around it is that if you put a rat in a shoebox and give it no fucking information no like everything the only thing that it knows is what is inside that shoebox how the, what where's the information that would allow you to make any kind of calculation about what's outside of that shoebox we're submerged in an existence which is designed to keep that information away from us otherwise we wake up and we would realize what it is <clears throat> it's i feel like the world is designed and i'm i'm primarily an atheist i've always been a militant atheist in the past and in the last few years i've become more agnostic so what what, what would you say is a military militant, militant atheist? atheist is just like standing up for you know the the stupidity of a lot of religions and like mm. the wars and everything else that goes on and and i'm less so you know like i feel i still understand the religious point of view and i see that there is some benefit to it it's like a mental scaffolding yeah. that's got us from the trees to building civilization it's kind of like crutches if you like to get here is um, here like a good place to be though do you reckon i think it's inevitable i think um you know we go from bacteria to space shuttles that's the direction of travel Mm. and um it's you know the periodic table is just like the lego set and it's not an accident that it's there Mm. you know and um i think eventually we we do maybe when, when we do figure it out like the whole thing just unravels i don't know like if the artificial intelligence explosion does Mm. happen is that the big bang on the next universe is it the same event yeah that's what i've been thinking about a lot is they sound the same right they're both explosions Mm. so why couldn't they be the same what my recent thing this is i feel like recently like going into the the more mindfulness kind of approach and and like doing a lot of reading about consciousness and and a lot of uh that kind of information is almost sort of tied some stuff together for me in a way because it's like you got the big bang which pretty much everyone agrees on really like i don't think that that's kind of up for too much discussion in the science world these days so essentially it's like you've got nothing and then like literally all of matter less than the size of a pinhead and then it explodes and then it goes outwards so like one of the kind of trippy things for me to realize in i i mean i don't even know when like i guess the last kind of let's say the last 12 months is that the the current moment of time is the furthest expanse of the universe Mm -hmm. right now 
like it's unfolding and i don't i don't think it's this kind of thing where like because earth isn't the furthest point in from the center you know so it's not like the earth is getting further but in terms of the way like there's got to be a zero point which was the big bang and then that explosion outward so that it comes down to that whole like determinism free will kind of argument as well as that like in my head now determinism only exists up to the exact moment of time because then it just turns into hindsight and you're like oh well there was no way if you go back to the origins of the big bang there was no way with all the decisions all of the thoughts all of the you know collective consciousness getting to this point there was no way it could have been any different but at the exact moment of time the the idea of determinism fades away because there's an infinite number of possibilities because of the presence of consciousness within conscious beings that can then they could either take the thought was that was uh, given to them by the previous moment and then just continue in autopilot or like we sort of said before there can be that mindful gap between a thought and an action that the self or the like consciousness is in control of and then that moment it's just like this constant leapfrog of like determinism up to the exact moment in time and then infinite possibility on the other side of of time yeah i I think uh it's it's just fascinating are there streaming are there different uh universes streaming off at all different times like you know and it's it's important to say like no one knows and like you just want to be less wrong like i know i'm wrong but hopefully i'm less wrong than Mm. than than, uh what's out there but like i look at it like there's the world of bits and the world of atoms that we're in it's like there's two universes sort of like a website so like bits so bits like zeros and ones you know so numbers yeah against physical atoms which atoms aren't really physical anyway but you've got this classical universe that we're in right now and it seems to me like if you look at how a website works you've got the back end of the website and then the front the end. interface yeah yeah the so, gui or whatever yeah, uh, well, yeah yeah you've got the the metadata and then you've got like the the browser mm. and the browser experience and these numbers dictate what that is mm. and perhaps the world of bits is where we're moving towards right so like when you upload and i thought about this when i was actually doing i was actually uploading all my photos to the cloud Mm. and my new girlfriend was actually like folding socks um and i was like that's what's happening with the universe like we're turning it inside out by taking all of our data Mm. and bits we're, we're uploading it to the cloud so our universe is in, 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 it's sort of it's like it's it's turning inside out mm. and uh, that's what got me thinking about it anyway but eventually that's where it's all going to go so my brother today said to me all of his go-kart racing mates are all selling their go their, their go-karts and, and doing racing and doing simulation yeah. because they're getting emotional responses out of this internet-based reality mm. so that's where this is all heading like everything is going cyber it's all going into the world of bits Mm. away from the classical world of atoms that we're in now um peter Thiel talks about this a lot and i think there's two universes and we're in one experiencing this one now and quantum gravity no one really knows what it is but i think it is information moving between the firewall of those two universes and arguably the next 30 years is when it we just completely Mm. give in to that other side just my two cents on it <laughs> well the the thing that for me is weird and like i kind of always i thought ai like i kind of always got to the ai thing at the end of it as well because you've got the universe exploding and starting and then that creates matter but there's no 
uh, biological life. So then you've got matter, then organizers to create uh, solid forms. They, you know, there's forces at play that uh, aid in these things happening, like gravity and uh, all of these different kind of friction and things that create all of these reactions. And then all of those reactions have then given birth to biological life. And then their biological life that's all the way from a single living cell to a conscious human. And then on on that spectrum of biological life, you've got stuff that's not sentient at all in terms of they're not they're not aware of their own experience, but they are aware and then able to react to their environment. And then you've got like a tiger that is it's a sentient being. I'm sure a tiger is aware of its experience, but then that's it. There's no deeper thought. There's no, what is it like to be a tiger? So it doesn't have that classical form of consciousness that we then uh, credit ourselves. And then there is this, this, I think that recently I'm like, oh, humans are stuck on the self thing to where for consciousness then to take the next step it had to be like aware of itself so then the consciousness because consciousness exists in the tiger in the same way it's still an experience that is like input from the previous moment in the universe so consciousness is the same there but then there's this self that comes into it to where i can call myself jace you can call yourself paul you've got these experiences that are learned and you've got this memory bank of data but then that the self almost like derails consciousness because then it, I, I figure that humans are like this kind of weird junction in consciousness to where it's like the self has kind of derailed it and it's not exactly uh, like there's a, it's just a weird human experience like we're stuck and we're kind of constantly fucking up we're constantly in like there's a lot of suffering and a lot of misery that we bring on ourselves like when a tiger kills something it doesn't give a fuck we have vegans that what you know what i mean that like barely want to kill plants so it's like there's this weirdness that's happened in experience when a, a thing became aware of itself and then had the billions of neurons and synapses to actually calculate those thoughts and i always kind of had this thing where it's like the you have like matter and then you have life and then you have uh the human consciousness and then i was like oh and then we're we're like moving there's like a collective movement that happens that no one person can stop and there's all the warning signs you'll hear elon musk talk about like the dangers of ai and you hear it's like this pandora's box that like theoretically if we were smart we'd go like let's just not fucking do this that it's too um you know what i mean the unabomber was that guy so he wrote a manifesto about you know technology and yeah right yeah the human is a very unique species and then we we contemplate death Mm. and i think that's our larger brains have just that's been the result of having a larger brain we learn to speak to each other we Mm. learn to communicate and the next thing was like yeah we started thinking about death so you know then we had to invent religion Mm -hmm. to just convince our children of comfort yeah you know um and so yeah we're just uh yeah uh, an anomaly in that way from the animal kingdom and um we're limited by the size of the a woman's hips for our brains our children come out Mm. with brains that big we can't get any bigger right otherwise our women are just going to have hips out here so we now need to use like bites yeah well we need to you know put 
put extra devices into our yeah. brains like this um what's the uh the neural link neural link all yeah. this sort of stuff it's yeah. the only way we can actually expand the bandwidth of of knowledge and it's inevitable this was always going to happen from the very yeah. first you know what is it um like prokaryotic you know uh cells into eukaryotic so it's a cell going in from a single uh yeah. species with one single cell to two to four to eight etc so this the arrow of time is heading from bacteria to space shuttles it's just yeah that's where it's going and it's all part of a big movie that we're all in and we're all starring ourselves. you know we're all the main lead actor in our own movies and maybe that's the point is like we're just a big bored quantum computer Mm. that's kind of convinced itself that it's that well, it's like one big consciousness that's yeah. experiencing itself subjectively yeah and that that's definitely where i'm at with it is that there there's some kind of movement towards something and it's like it's almost like you want to talk about the rat in the cage kind of thing to where it's like the big bang like all of the things that were created out of that explosion have then been spending billions of years organizing itself to try and find out what the fuck actually happened like what it was before because it, it is this step by step by step by step kind of movement and it's a conscious effort you know it's an effort of all of consciousness to come together to almost like realize itself and i wonder then if you know because theoretically if you could have a computer that could do the like all of the calculations are there like you could literally go moment to moment backwards and reverse engineer that well, kind of explosion th that's my theory is that we're we're like ants building this massive super consciousness called the internet we don't even realize we're doing it but we're just building this huge brain mm. that we currently call the internet that was invented by the u.s military in 75 and it's just expanded and the internet's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and countries and borders are less and less important real go-karts are less important than mm. than than artificial go-karts on a screen um but if you're an artificial intelligence that is hyper smart like knows everything that's an inert position mm. there is nothing fun about knowing everything and being everything and being one consciousness so if you were to create your own reality it probably would look like this right mm. like if you were a supercomputer that was like i'm bored i want to go and make a, a fake world where i can separate myself into seven billion different consciousnesses and create shit create stuff it probably would look like this mm. um like you know how does the, the those first cells like the flagellum that that, that sort of propels the first single-celled organism it has like 36 parts that move like a motor it's an outboard engine mm. how the fuck did that outboard engine get invented mm. scientists still can't point out you know where that first outboard engine came from that propelled the first cell it's 36 pieces you can't you can't reduce the pieces in that motor to anything less so how did it evolve right like how did mm. how did the first outboard motor on a cell that's just basically like a little string that, that spins um they still don't know how that did you have half a motor yeah <laughs> you know like and i'm an atheist or i'm agnostic um but i still look at it and go yeah like that's that's an answer that i'd love to have i'd love to see someone answer that mm. um and i just think yeah we're just you know, when someone invents like, oh, I've just invented uranium or I just discovered uranium. No, you didn't. That's been programmed into the game. Yeah. It's the yellow brick road. You just happen to You're be the, the guy. that found it. Yeah. And we're just building a big Lego set. Mm. And eventually we just build it so well that it needs to be disassembled. And then the next universe comes in. Mm. And we all got to experience this thing called life. 
instead of being a bored computer in white space. Mm. There's so <laughs> many like fucked up ways that you can go into it as well too. Like, and and again, it's kind of that you kind of der- you're trying to derive everything from this crazy lack of information to where like <laughs> I remember last year, dude, I was looking into the whole fucking dimensions thing and like wherein we li- when you look at there's youtube videos that it sounds fucking rudimentary but people don't understand what a three-dimensional universe is and then you've got like a one-dimensional dimensional universe you've got a two-dimensional universe and then you've got a three-dimensional universe which is what we live in but we can only see in two dimensions and a thing that is in a two-dimensional world can only see in one dimension and then once you go into four dimensions all shit breaks loose like nothing can be even remotely similar if you exist in a four-dimensional plane there is no corner that you can't see around there's no like you are everything it's fucking crazy. And these are like mathematical things that exist within whatever the fuck we're in. Like this box that we're in, we can figure out these different kind of phenomena, but we're stuck. We're completely stuck. I, I think the world is virtual. I think science is just catching up to the fact that like Donald Huffman, he's a top you know, like a mathematician, physicist, his theories are incredible. And like someone, the likes of Sam Harris is interviewing mm. him. So like, and Sam Harris is a very logical thinker. Do you listen to much of his stuff? Tons. Yeah. Everything. You, have you got his waking up app? That's yeah. what I use actually. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris. Um, and yeah, like all those guys, I, yeah. I find it fascinating. It keeps me, keeps my mind entertained and, and I just love, yeah, those debates that I see. I love Peter Thiel. I reckon he's, he's, uh, he's not as well known, but he's very smart. He's uh, more of a money guy, right? Uh, no, he's, he started PayPal with Elon Musk and, uh, he's just a really smart dude. Like, yeah, uh, I wouldn't okay. say he's motivated by money, but he's just, I thought he was just like a more of a business kind of guy. I mean, yeah, he's He's like an Elon Musk and that he's just, uh, yeah, I think just very, very smart about, you know, in, investing in things and like, what's an idea? How do you take an idea to the world and make a positive mm. impact on the world? More so than like, can I buy a Ferrari tomorrow? Sort of, sort of a guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I love listening to all that stuff. And, and uh, yeah, ultimately, though, I just don't think that we're in a system that's going to allow us to know it all. You know, like yeah. I'm not a physicist. I'm, not, I'm just an armchair scientist who just ponders about this stuff. And like I've been through a lot of pain and anguish in my life. And I find listening to all those videos and those conversations really kind of for some reason it makes me feel better about the world trying to like you know crawl closer to the truth and mm. you know like the CERN thing where they're you know smashing protons together like as a kid I wouldn't give a shit about that but yeah. you know now that I'm older I'm like what the hell are they actually doing like you know I have no idea I couldn't explain it but I find it fascinating and I love trying to figure out like what they're trying to do and learn you know so yeah like all of that and a lot of this is going to happen in our lifetime you know we're yeah. gonna our kids probably won't be driving cars um you know like so much is about to happen and um yeah like yeah I, I think we've got a really good front row seat to where the where the future's headed and um it's just fascinating just watching the world right now mm. um yeah it's it's a really like change is coming in hard very hard like this covid thing and dude the like, world changed fucking quick man <laughs> quick february world was normal yeah i was in bali in february not giving a fuck and now the world is different it's yeah i mean like no one knows where this is going to go or how it's going to be 
uh, in the future and, you know, whether we're going to be able to get on an airplane again, you know, mm. like, uh, so yeah, I, I got no answers for it or explanations for it. We just got to go with it. And, and, you know, it's been beneficial for a lot of different industries, you know, like, um, it's been funny watching people are like getting on their mountain bikes, like mountain biking is just going yeah, like that. Insane. And so people are like doing stuff. Yeah. Um, there's people working from home that never did it. A lot of bosses who are going, I think I will let you work from home. I don't mm. need to supervise you every single day. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a lot of positive change coming from it. Um, and the flu's always been that thing where like, why do we all have to get this thing for four weeks every single year that just knocks us out? Like, yeah. it's, it was always something that bugged me because I used to get it as well, like all the time. Like, and you know, I didn't have a flu this year. So like, that's cool. You know, and maybe we'll be more aware. Dude, you know what's fucking crazy? I haven't had the fucking flu either at all. Like I haven't been sick this year. And this is like the year of the world getting sick. <laughs> haven't even thought of that yet. Well, you know, when you travel to Asia, like they've been wearing masks for decades, yeah. you know, so they're much more aware of, you know, close proximity and et cetera. But um, where this goes, no one knows. And I, I think what will happen is um, this is the new normal in a lot of ways. This is not going away anytime soon. It's mm. just going to be slightly subdued mm. and um, people getting out and, you know, going for a bike ride or a kayak or what, what it is, whatever it is, it's probably, yeah, we just need to focus on that and like enjoy living again. It's weird though. Like I'm not a guy that believes in the, um, fuck, what do they call it? Those weird people. Um, the, like the globalist regime. Like, I don't know if I believe in any of that shit. Like it's so easy to, to say like, oh yeah, we've got two it must have been one plus one it's very easy to do that when you kind of look back at something and it's like COVID oh everyone's having to do this this is the control that they want right? but it, I kind of just come back to that whole argument of like it, whatever it is at the present moment kind of does come down to determinism and there is this force that is unbeknownst to all of us that pushes everything in a certain direction it is that we are the sum of every experience that's ever happened so it's like to me to when people want to do like oh donald trump and the global elite it's like what the who the fuck has this kind of pull over like all of human consciousness and that this year man i feel like i really started seeing it more than ever in the um the first thing that really fucking wigged me out dude was the um bushfire thing because like in like i went oh we we live in meme culture our culture is a meme now whatever the meme is that is going around there's like you you were a brand guy for a long time you wanted to we're well, still a brand guy you wanted to capture the imagination get as many people thinking the same thing as possible at one time and then attach a product to that which then pushes your business forward so like, could you ever have imagined that in one day a fucking dance on TikTok could be done by almost every Western kid in the world in one day? Yeah, I think it shows where the, the world's just getting so much smaller. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it is fascinating. And what's, what's coming next? And yeah, I, I, I just didn't foresee any of this. And um, yeah, it's like wars won't be fought kinetically anymore. They'll be mm -hmm. fought virtually, you know, like... You just take out someone's, you know, internet connection and that 
like how, how many people would live for three weeks without the internet yeah, it'd be a like struggle. that's that's the way world wars are going to be fought now the, the the fact we've got aircraft carriers and tanks it's irrelevant that, that's, yeah. that those days are done yeah um yeah the the whole thing with simulation theory is such a like uh a mind fuck too because once you really dive into the numbers of it and if you sort of just follow from okay we've got a playstation 4 graphics are pretty fucking cool there's some shit on there where you know what really was a trip to to i've got a sim and i've i got i racing so like it's fucking dope <laughs> but there was uh once they started doing the i racing shit um or the f1 2020 for the virtual gps i'd see the onboard come up on instagram and it's like the exact same view that you get with the onboards on a real car man i couldn't tell the difference i'd literally have to look at hashtags at the resolution on my phone i'd have to look at hashtags to say to see if it had esport and i was like is this an old clip is this a like is this real is it not real so when you follow those lines of 2020 already fucking close let's say 2050 there's gonna be would you think that if you follow the timeline from the you know sega genesis or nintendo 64 or atari to 2020 and then you look at that curve right as in the you know the the curve of rate of improvement towards a lifelike representation that curve is fucking like oh yeah insane man and then it's just going to hit that point where it's just vertical and every year it just goes up and that's how those kind of curves work like this isn't like a a weird out there thinking so it's like at what point do we hit lifelike realism full well, virtual ray kurtzweil predicted 2029 and he's one of the like he's a he was a child genius and he i think he invented moore's law or no so it would have been more i guess um but he uses moore's law to um describe you know transistors ability to double their you know capacity capacity yeah yeah so if you i think he uses that analogy and a couple other ones to predict that you know something like the the singularity they call it where like we have runaway intelligence explosion he's saying 2029 i think i think don't quote me on it but i think 2029 was his guess it might be 39 but um either way it's it's going to be happening around the corner it is like that's like that so um god knows what's going to happen then and and uh, where do you want to be for that i just want to be riding my bmx bike (laughs) i want to be painting something i just want to like yeah, I just want to be doing fun, playing, hanging with my kids, playing, teaching them to kick a ball and and telling them that's the moon. We landed a, a, a space shuttle on that, you know, like, oh, we didn't land a space shuttle, but we landed something on that. And yeah. like, yeah, doing what, what you love. There's nothing, we're not going to be able to control this. It's coming. So yeah. there's nothing, there's no prepping. There's no, you know, like there's a lot of people who've got like some fancy like nuclear bunker in New Zealand, like. I think if you're a billionaire, maybe set that up. Otherwise, yeah, just in case, because you, know, you can. Because you can do it. But um, yeah, I mean, the cool thing is we get to actually watch it happen. And hopefully it's not, I mean, it might be a good thing. Like, you know, there's the analogy that we're like a, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Mm. Is that is that what's happening? I don't mm. know. Um, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, what technology would you do away with right now? In terms of, I mean, we went camping Friday night. And then before I came here, I went home, laid on my bed for 20 minutes. And I was just like, oh, fucking yes. Give me a bed. Like, I love being in my swag and I love camping. But that's a technological upgrade. Hot shower, internet, 
coffee machine. Like there's not that much technology that you want to do away with. So it's like if you follow that logic, does it make like who just draws the line? They're like, no, that's it. No more technology. It's like, well, every other bit of technology has kind of made your life better to this point because I wouldn't say I'm a person that's excited about AI. There's definitely, I guess... I guess just the condition of what it is to be a human would completely change. Well, the beginning of it is this neural lace stuff that's that's coming. So if you're a supercharged human, so let's say you've had the surgery that makes you now, you know, you've gone from a V6 to a V8 with a turbocharger. So your ability to mm. think and get a job done is now. So you're you're a you're a post-human. Well, we're already technically all post-human with phones, but this is another step up. So you're one of the upgraded ones because you've got that technology. So that's coming like yeah and if it if, if it's not the americans it's the chinese or it's the russians so like someone's going to do it and so it's a race to the and that's what makes me think about this whole like consciousness just has an agenda of its own since the beginning of time whatever the fuck has gone on has collectively there has been some kind of collective effort in a direction and it's to where like you we can't even stop it like everyone you got elon musk arguably probably the apex human like there's probably not many dudes that have done what he's done in like the physical realm of being a a a human and he's saying this isn't a great idea doesn't matter it's gonna fucking it's gonna happen so that makes me think that there is just this crazy push that nobody is in control of well, I mean, if you listen to Sam Harris, he's like, it's it's actually feasible to have a nuclear strike as a possibility on another nation that gets the, the first AI. Like, mm. it would actually be at least something you would have to consider because if, if San Francisco gets it first, then China's nuking them. Mm. If, if Shanghai gets it first, then... You wonder, though, like, if, let's say San Fran, like, is the point where Skynet goes live, <laughs> do you think that that AI, like, how long would it take that AI to then shut down whatever the fuck China wanted to do. My theory is a smart AI would not reveal itself and it would put like a little pawn down to say, oh, here I am, but it's already, I mean, it may already be around now. Mm. I would actually, and I've never heard this mentioned on any podcast, but who's to say the AI is not already here, mm. right? Like, and maybe it's already got our universities and our entertainment system, like, because that's what you go to right like if you look at like the sort of this sort of snowflake progressivism like Mm. are they preparing us for robots is that why this you know like group identity politics is coming in because the robotic population are now coming in and so you have to secure universities first then Mm. you get hollywood so you're just laying the groundwork for some sort of cyber consciousness that's like like supersedes the current human you know like i guess i'm just no, putting yeah, putting yeah, it maybe yeah. it's a good movie yeah no <laughs> um, you're right though because like there's it's very rare that you would get like a any kind of war like no let's say we're fighting like an analog war there's not really an analog war where you're going to go in without an intelligence without operatives that have been in the location or you send small in terms of just like an attack based on the art of war you're never just going like i'm here what's up we're doing it it's it's always a info like a slow infiltration stay undetected if you were a smart ai you would just be sitting in the background and you would you'd build a little fake one and you'd convince the humans that oh we just discovered over here but all the time that was at the back Mm. taking over 
the culture war. If you win the culture war, you win the broader war. Well, that's what's crazy with the whole meme culture, man. Like, I've never fucking... The, the bushfires were terrible. And, I mean, I've said it on here a bunch of fucking times, but it was like... It was literally... It took over Western uh, collective consciousness for a couple months, right? In a way that I don't think I've ever seen anything like that happen. Like, I was getting calls from people all over America that were, like, super concerned, watching the news, Australia's fucking this, Australia's that, the money that was raised. And then, like, when you get to the ground level, just, like, people that were just so vehement and, like, so fucking like emotional and charged about this issue that were it's like it's fires you know what i mean it's just like a, it's a very natural thing australia has been on fire before obviously it was like bad but there was just like to me it was just this new level of of like public uh it just took over the group think and then you go into covid that just fucking was insane and then when you look at the numbers it's like i don't want to get into the efficacy of of lockdown and blah whatever but in terms of like the numbers versus other shit that's gone on and didn't was unit around during the sars thing yeah so um it came out during the swine so swine, swine flu, flu right? happened yeah. in 09 yeah. and then you guys I, I made unit swine that. flu mice you know what? i actually brought one no shit this, this is so yeah i thought this might come up so this I'm, I remember that I shit. made this in 2009 so that's that's a unit swine flu mask so because um, you did like a full ad campaign in Tokyo wasn't it like on a uh, billboard no so I remember my my firstborn son was born and I was watching the news I was I had him in my arms and I was watching his name's Bo um, and we're, I was watching the news and it was like swine flu is going to kill us all and I'm like and I love looking at how the media use propaganda as a branding guy like I, I can see mm. I can read between the lines of how they're trying to get views essentially so swine flu and I'm like how can I turn this into something so I'm like what if we launched uh, a face mask that was going to protect us from swine flu and I'll do it as a stunt like it's a, it's a piss take but it'll be interesting and I knew there was a butcher next door to our building in Helensvale oh. so I actually rung the butcher and I said when do you get dead pigs in and he's like oh tomorrow and so I said um, can we bring a model in a bikini tomorrow to your butcher to take some photos of course, it took him about a few seconds to go, yes. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and um, so Amanda, who I'm still good friends with to this day, uh, she was available. She just won Hawaiian Tropic. I sp hand spray painted these and put them on her. And we took some photos in front of some dead pig carcasses. And it was, you know, unit clothing releases, swine flu masks. So it had sex and fear. Yeah. The, two, the, the media love both of those things, right? So if you can do both, yeah. then you're onto a real winner. And... Um, the following morning, my PR guy was like, he rang me at 4 a.m. And I'm like, what the hell is he ringing me? And I'm like, half asleep, like, hey, dude, like, check your email. Check my email. That story had run everywhere in the world, like millions and millions of hits. <clears throat> and it was in Times Square in New York. So, like, they have a big billboard. So, it got mm -hmm. up on there. And um, PacSun, who's the largest distributor of, like, the biggest retailer in the world for clothing, rung us the next day because they'd seen it and they were in our business plan to be in in like 2015 so we were six years early wow just from a silly stunt that cost um like i think you know that cost about a dollar 
Yeah. I had a spray paint can. We ended up, we started selling. I thought no one's going to, no one's going to buy them, but I started selling. We sold a hundred of them. And then my dad's like, you better not sell them because, you know, if that paint's not like legit, you don't want someone getting in, in, you know, some sort of lung issue. Yeah. So we pulled selling them and, um, but it just put us on the map instantly. And um, you can see the photos if you go online. But yeah, like that was really just a fluke thing that just I thought could be possible and could work. And it just went crazy. And how's this for a story? So you mentioned the bushfires. So my younger brother, who's 25, Mark, he wanted to do face masks for the bushfires, yeah. which he did. And then COVID happened. And so he's selling like thousands of face masks a day or like a month. Um, He's crushing it, just selling face masks because of, you know, he must have subconsciously remembered me doing this. And he gets up at 12 o'clock midday and just looks at his Shopify and it's just, you know, from selling this shit. (laughs) It's crazy, eh? But yeah, I just look, I look at that and I just think that there's definitely a new thing going on to where like the complete collective consciousness can get around something and it can be like the influence now like i just don't think that that influence was the same in in the past and obviously i think that like what you said is really important before is that you can say social media but it's not social media it's the internet the internet is the thing like that sort of slowly is starting to become like that is all of humanity ever and as soon as there's a thing because like when I talk about that whole like movie analogy like why did why did you pick Predator over uh, uh, fucking Titanic it's like the human brain like at our level for you to have a freedom of choice to pick a movie that would mean that technically you would have to have access to every single movie title that you've ever come across you know let alone watched and then you would then have to be given all of those options instantaneously and then you consciously choose between all of those options. You would have seen thousands and thousands and thousands of movie titles, movies in your lifetime. You would have been exposed to those. So, like, that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about, like, AI. Is that, like, we can't do that. We don't have that level of, like, we don't have that capacity. Maybe that shit changes with, like, the Neuralink thing. But I guess that is the next level, is when you get to the point where... If someone asks you, what's your favorite song? I literally can instantly go every song I've ever listened to. Maybe within a millisecond, I can play every song through my head. And in that moment, I'm free to choose whatever I want. And then it's like, oh, fucking um, Take It Easy by the Eagles is my favorite song ever. You know, (laughs) but you've actually gone through every single song that you've ever known. And that's kind of what that shit is. So it's like when you put like you got shop uh, Spotify, you've got fucking YouTube and then, you know, like Facebook Pixel, the things that people like. It's just this fucking consciousness. So when you've got the thing that like whatever that, you know, D-Day is where that thing becomes aware of its own experience, it's like that's the birth of. And like you said, it could have already fucking happened. And now it's just this slow kind of influence. And I mean, you can get as kind of like using hindsight you can go oh but now people are going to be used to being in the homes not going to work and you know people will move their people are already moving their lives into this digital framework so it's like maybe maybe the internet's been fucking sending it for ages and it's just this slow moving thing to like because it, it can't get to the point where i guess you go to the matrix where it's like you you're not ready not every mind is ready yet you know yeah i mean i just think that 
people say, oh, you know, the internet and technology isn't natural. It's absolutely natural. Mm. Like the whole, from the inflation of the universe and the technological advancement is is part and parcel of nature. Mm. Nature is moving towards technology. It's There's crows that pick up bones and drop them from heights to break them up. And, um, you know, like chimpanzees using like sticks. And, sticks yeah. and so like they're, they're coming up, the, you know, they're moving towards technology. So... As, as sure there is time there's technology going that way you know mm. and even a nuclear okay if there was a nuclear you know exchange and we lost all the technology we'd rebuild it yeah we'd probably have a few bunch of new religions to go along with it right because um we've got to invent something um but technology is nature is nature mm. and uh it's coming and there's nothing we can do and it's going to be exciting to watch it happen and this whole gaming revolution is mm. like it's it's proof in many ways that that's that's where it's all headed and i do believe we're just uploading ourselves to the internet mm. and we just don't realize we're doing it we're just slowly when you upload to google drive you're taking like if you if you transfer a um a cd to an mp4 that's the same thing like you're, you're taking this analog device that's real mm. and you're putting it into a cloud where is the cloud yeah What's someone show me where the cloud yeah. is that's the universe it's like a it's a usb drive that has expansive space on it and that's what the outside of the universe is and we're you know we're moving into that it's mm. a place that you know it's i think yeah it, like there's there can't really be many other explanations that it's the most logical one to me is that we're just maybe we're where we are an internet or or you know like a universe of numbers and this classical universe is just here to enjoy you know and it's like the next this is like it's all just like a gateway to like whatever the kind of the next level of the the game is well like roger penrose who's an amazing physicist he was on joe rogan recently um so you've got these funnels like they're, they're trying to understand what space-time geometry is and it's just uh, a beginning of a universe and it funnels out so it's this expansion this inflation and so they're sort of theorizing is it like a funnel and then another funnel and another funnel mm. and i'm thinking no it's it's just it's inverting in on itself yeah i was gonna say like it kind of just has to keep going around and around and around which is a gravitational field yeah right so i feel like we're in this massive football shaped gravitational field where there's a deflation and an inflation and it's the Big Bang and the artificial intelligence explosion or the singularity. Yeah. They're both the same event. And there's, they hope they happen at the same time because they're the same thing. And then the new universe starts once, once like there's a great expression by Nick Bostrom who's um, fascinating to listen to. He, he sort of came up with the whole idea of like, you know, there's, there's three scenarios. Either we're in a simulation um, or... Actually, I can't give it just, I can't remember all of his, his three things, but he, he's basically saying we're in a simulation and he's like the top brass German physicist. Uh, but one of his expressions is, um, we'll know we've reached the singularity when the click-throughs go to zero and the adverts go to infinity. So, you know, essentially the world just starts trying to get more human interaction, but eventually it all just gets uploaded. Mm. And it's a great way to describe it. Um, yeah, so things like that, like I think are just, yeah, great ways to try and interpret where we're going, you know. And um, as humans, you know, mortal humans, we've just got to try and enjoy these last, how many years? Is it going to be next year? Like, I don't know. Is it going to be Kurzweil's, you know, 10, 20 years? Like, mm. um, but it's, yeah, it's not stopping, so... We just uh, do what we can. Yeah, the the thing that I've kind of got 
too with with it all is that like there's this experience where because i feel like i've got to the point that i've got to by going like in 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 like constantly like going deeper and deeper into like this idea of like myself who am i what's the reason and i think i sort of got here from really thinking about like the ego and then it's like oh i don't want to be a person that has an ego and then you learn that it's like well the ego is this kind of the ego is like a i guess a marketing term essentially for a personality trait whereas and it's like quite easily explained to somebody like when you really uh like reduce it down you're like oh man you're talking about yourself a lot or you're um you think you're better than you are whatever you just attribute that to ego but then it's like i would have these thoughts of like okay so i'm gonna actively try not to have an ego and then it's like all right well isn't that kind of egotistical so you kind of you can this argument of self constantly it would always collapse on itself (laughs) and i'm like this just doesn't fucking add up like the deeper into yourself that you go the more this argument just constantly it just falls on there's nowhere to go from here so then once you start listening to guys like sam harris and then you start going into a lot of like eastern um i don't even know if you could call it religion like i feel like eastern philosophy or whatever like uh zen um uh, the Tao, buddhism all of that shit it's going away from the self and i've sort of started to feel like the way that i kind of want to live my life now well i feel like to, before to get into that is like the self is this thing that is like when you open your you close your eyes it's black you open your eyes you literally have like all of the universe in your field of view like it doesn't stop if we remove the walls if we removed every, it just keeps going like that is your window as like you're just a thing that is experiencing the universe unfold right now to do that you've been given a vessel which is like this human body now that human body needs a self it needs an ego the ego is responsible for getting more of what you want less of what you don't want so there is like this balance that you have to find between this the self and then the person that is before the self like the the thing that is getting the raw information from the universe unfolding and it's like I feel like the closer you are, I feel like there's like this zero distance of, so at the, the level of the ego or the self, you're at zero distance and there's no, like the other, what you are before the ego is like every, like infinity that way. And, but it's like the perspective of you opening your eyes and thinking you have a head on your shoulders, that is zero distance. And if you live in that space, you'll be able to stay alive you'll go i'm gonna get up today i'm gonna go to the gym i'm gonna blah 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 and then but then that person is kind of trapped in its thoughts of itself and then it you constantly just want to think about yourself to help you get through the the rest of kind of existence but you need to have that kind of separation but the closer you are to yourself and so you'd say i mean there's probably times you've experienced this in your like peak fucking level where you were probably just running on ego mode like just constant you were just operating there there's no you're at zero distance constantly and i feel like the longer you spend at zero distance the the less connected you get to everything else and then there's no space for new things there's no space for good things there's no space for reflection there's no space for interest uh, like introspection and i think that the there's a thing like when people say 
like I think about this when people would say like, oh, I was a person that couldn't sleep. And essentially like, what are you doing when you sleep? You're losing consciousness. So if like what you're experiencing inside the room of consciousness is self, when you can't sleep, it's like the self is not letting you become unconscious. It wants to stay there. It wants to stay in control. So you're in this kind of like fear survival mode where like the self won't even fucking let you sleep. So there's some real destructive shit that's going on there if it won't let you get to a point of being like unconscious. So now like what I've kind of derived is I guess even just my own personal meaning of life is like, okay, understand the self is this separate thing. And then there's this, what you kind of really are before thought, like the interpreter of the raw data of the universe. And it's like, you need to have, you, you need to be in check with yourself enough to where like, you can peace out. Like you can practice mindfulness where you're like not your ego, you're not any thoughts about self and then you can just be there. And I feel like if you are comfortable to be in that mode as well as be here, that's like kind of the balance. And then aside from that, like you're really just an, a vessel. Like you're just a, you're a part of a group think you're a part of like a consciousness. We're all experiencing this. It's a subjective experience of reality, but we're all in the same base level reality. Can, can you get to a point where you can remove every thought? Like I've tried meditation and uh, I really want to learn more about it, but like the idea of being able to zero your mind out and like recognize a thought coming into it. Mm-hmm. Like I've really struggled. Like my brain's just, I can't, I can't get it to just chill. Like I wish I could, but can, can you get to that point yeah. where you can yeah. literally just, how long can you hold that? Do you I was going to say like, that's probably the thing. The weird thing is though, is that, I don't think that you can put a value on time in that. Yeah, because time goes away. It's not the same. Yeah, time's not the same thing. Mm. Like, have you ever done mushrooms? Yeah. And been like, literally been a feeling. And then that's all you are. And then you kind of, what fucks it up is thinking about how good it is. You're like, oh, wow, I'm feeling this feeling. I am this feeling. And then thought comes in and then it removes you from it. Have you ever had an experience that's kind of like that? Yeah, I know what you're getting at. I think um, all those different chemicals have different impacts and, mm-hmm. and um, highs and lows and, you know, like nothing comes, you can't go up without coming down. Um, yeah, I think, uh, and just, just on like all those sort of like, you know, like drugs are now coming into reality as being, you know, something that they're exploring more is like other, you know, benefits of it. And uh, I guess that ties into consciousness, it ties into the meditation and what you're talking mm. about. Um, it's a new area for me. I haven't done a lot of study of that, but... Um, Man, honestly, like we could talk way more about it off off here, but like, yeah, yeah. so to answer your question, yes. Essentially, like it's already there. Like I, I think one of the things that really helped me to like kind of get to more of those states... Um, where you're not really thinking now what i'd say is like a lot of there's not a lot of times where i'm no thought completely there's probably periods of maybe like you could say like 20 30 seconds um but what i think that i do quite regularly like basically now every time i'm doing any kind of practice like that i would say instead of juggling cups on earth i'm juggling cups in a space shuttle and i can kind (laughs) of Like you just give it a little tap and it comes back to you and then you can push that one away and it's, you've got a lot more space. Yeah. You've got, there's no gravity. Like things don't have the same level of like weight to them. So I think that's probably the state that 
you get to more but then there's definitely it sounds kooky as fuck dude but there's definitely times they're like you are a feeling that's it mm-hmm. you're not any like and i think that a good way to think about it is like have you ever had a toothache where the your tooth is hurt so bad you are a toothache mm-hmm. like we've all and i think that's the thing is like you've kind of it's not so much as like you don't have to spend like fucking thousands of hours meditating like if you've got the right information about it you could just do it and you're there because you just understand that it's already like there is a version of everybody that is receiving this raw data from the universe and then it a thought comes into the head and then you just think that thought the the place that you're trying to get to you kind of already are so you sort of got to think about the process as doing less than what you do not more than what you do you just a thought come gone gone i think i'm going to benefit a lot from this i need to uh investigate further <laughs> dude just the waking up at me with sam harris yeah i haven't done enough uh of the like I, I tend to kind of like um scour the topics i like the most but um yeah i know he's very big on meditation so yeah I definitely, but there's no hokey shit with him yeah exactly which it, is the perfect thing i think he's the perfect guy to do that because he is so you know like um yeah when you see where he's come from with his mm. debates around creation and and uh evolution etc it's it's good to have someone of him of his nature and his caliber doing that that uh investigation and talking mm. about it and he's open about doing you know drugs and and uh ayahuasca's and all this sort of stuff um so yeah it's you know and without podcasts we wouldn't have nah, you know like way. i wouldn't have come across him or christopher hitchens or, or any of those guys i probably would have never come across these people that have you know helped shape my thinking you know and mm. um yeah th- those those people are just uh through through this na- like this long form conversation we're able to get you know in, in mind into the details and mm. and discuss things you know in, in in more more you know um detail and, and just more um theories and and debate yeah. so all it is man is like the the self just doesn't want to let go of you <laughs> like it and it's th- it shouldn't like that's the kind of thing but i think that um we're just taught to be so individual these days like every you can completely survive as an individual and i think that's been like this thing that's created so much suffering in people is that people just put so much stock in like the self when the self is only a thing that exists in the past it's not actually a real thing it's not actually a physical form like you just you kind of just you sitting there right now yeah I, I find it fascinating and like just looking back and you know like the years running unit and having uh like you know 280,000 emails a day i would just go to nimbin once a month and just like line a river on my own and yeah, just right. with, with some cows and like that would be how that would that was my way of like trying to deal with it yeah and i was actually quite effective <laughs> believe it or not um but yeah trying to find that that way to that to turn off you yeah. know and uh I think yeah it doesn't get a lot of discussion and there's probably different ways of doing it like you know even meditation for me might be riding my bike like i find Mm. that it is for sure that is like a form of it and it it sort of releases you know that tension of whatever is in your mind and and um, just getting in the fresh air like you went camping like i find more and more just going for like yeah like a mountain bike ride or what have you like you just get to yeah get away from these computers and and you know keyboards etc and I think uh, maybe we're waking up to that now and we're going to like we're, there's a little bit of resentment for this technology now it's, it's sort of coming in going do we really want to rush to the yeah. to this AI or do we want to like take our time you know and um, yeah but 
it's uh yeah it's a fascinating topic i love it <laughs> yeah well i think that 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 whole thing of um like surfing's meditation i do jujitsu that's meditate like any the thing that feels good for the human brain is to be in the moment like there's studies that have proven that the closer you are to the moment without thought the human brain is working better than when it is distracted so like when you're riding a mountain bike like for me i rode downhill forever and it's like you just can't think anything else you're gonna get fucked up like there's real consequences so it forces you into this meditative state so i think that that's kind of what's going on is that the reason why we love motocross and the reason why we love bmx and we love these extreme things like surfing and like all the people that we interact with and we talk to everybody that's been on this fucking podcast basically are like people that have a connection to that feeling of they're doing this thing that lets them have no thought because there's physical consequences to doing that so like all that you're doing in meditation is like you just don't need a bike you don't need jujitsu you don't need surfing you can just get there and then that place is that's i think the power in that is like it's always with you then i just got injured badly so that was actually like kind of one of the gnarliest things is like pretty much the whole fucking time i was hurt like i was just doing days where i'd just be like doing an hour and a half just sitting down going through it and it's like it was i had i haven't been negative because it's so easy to see that shit coming now Mm -hmm. like there's a guy that i don't like and i fucking see him around and then you'd get these feelings and then it was from this shit i'm just like oh i don't need that like i literally can choose not to feel like that haven't felt an ill thing towards that person and it's and now it's to the point where i'm like i just don't need that ever again like i literally can choose to never Mm -hmm. think negatively about that person again that's fucking huge man because like everybody's got that kind of resentment and that kind of you know those weird that capability to like harbor those fucking weird feelings yeah you're you're just completely surrendering to your thoughts and i feel like yeah i I find the same thing when i have a negative thought like if i can just think of something positive that's happening in my life it's not hard to just pick something and, and just focus on that and you catch yourself like um and yeah you get better at it i think with time but uh yeah you you've you've got to make a you know a conscious decision to Mm. to go to what you want to do and and choose what what you're going to feel and um yeah it probably isn't something you can pick up straight away definitely something you have to learn yeah and the theory like in sam's app there's a theory section to it and that's the most valuable kind of thing and and to me uh, it's not it's just right there like everybody's already got it there's no like you have the ability to everybody has that ability and and i think that that's kind of what it almost fucks it up a bit is like it kind of gets sold as that like oh yeah it took me years you know like there's and again that's ego there's like people that want to tell people that oh it's so hard to do Mm -hmm. so hard to get there or like oh yeah i'm there stages for hours and it's like well when you're in a place like that the time doesn't even matter it just doesn't even matter how i don't give a fuck how long i'm there it's just good to get there and i think that that yeah people kind of skew the information and there's always these weird attachment to it and these weird kind of connotations around it so i think it, it is cool to you know be able to kind of like give people like say to people it's really not fucking it's, it's not, not hard, hard at do. all yeah, and, well. and if you come from an action sports background you're so used to being there where we go there every fucking day man like when i rode the mx farm on the weekend like 
I couldn't tell you a thought I had writing. I don't think I could do fishing because I would just be sitting there just going, I've got to send that email, I've got to do that. Things like I don't think fishing's ever going to work. It probably works for other people. I, I, I certainly haven't got that. But Or golf, I think that would probably be a struggle. Mm. But when, like you say, when you're going downhilling and there's trees coming past and you know there's um there's dirt you you gotta you gotta think only about that so um yeah i think that's probably been a good thing for me as well just just having those sort of sports and and being able to completely switch off from Mm. from thinking unconsciously like yeah like now you say it like i probably just need to do more of that and you know like i've it's been a while since i've been on a dirt bike and i've seen yours out the front here and i'm like come for a ride with me one day i would love to yeah yeah yeah. no and and i just want to get back into it you know and and um yeah, you, you, I remember selling my dirt bike to buy a computer to start Unit and like, you know, I've got to buy another one back again later on. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I just remember that day just going, wow, I don't actually own a dirt bike anymore. I never thought this day would come. Yeah. In the end, it was like the right decision for, for what I was doing. But in many ways, I look back and go, I should always have just had one there, yeah. you know, to, uh, but I might have, you know, done a few broken bones here and there. Maybe I would have had more. I don't know. But, but um, you can't let go of your childhood dreams, you know, and you've got to do it yourself. If you're in, if you're in branding, you've got to do what you're talking about. And yeah. I think people forget that they get so busy with their business. They forget to do what they're actually meant to be doing. Well, and we should definitely dive into unit. <laughs> I've fucking been dominating <laughs> the conversation here with all this shit. Um, but yeah, you, I, I feel like any time, like you've been through a pretty fucking traumatic experience of like having a multi, multi, multi million dollar business and then not having that multi million dollar business like with your brother. Uh, so, anyway, we should dive fucking super deep into that. So, you're one of the people that have the photo starting in the garage yeah. you know like you're you have that legitimate entrepreneur fucking moment in history parents garage type of deal and then to go to be this multi fucking million dollar deal so i want to know all about it look it was just like as we spoke about earlier just having a, an idea of what i wanted to do and combining my my loves of art and, and motocross and the, the most obvious choice was to do a brand and at the time uh, Fox was the biggest brand in the world still probably is but I remember thinking I reckon I could do that I reckon I could do a brand like that or even better than that and um, so yeah my brother and I had $300 each and we we pulled that together and started in mum and dad's garage and uh, yeah I remember drawing the the logo which is essentially a spark plug exploding in a in a fuel cell and uh, I remember drawing and going that's it that that is gonna work like no no dramas about it i even have the original sketch at home and i just never had disbelief about it i I never once questioned its ability to be what i thought it could be and what Um, it was yeah you know it ended up being that it it actually we overtook fox in sales in five years in australia um and we didn't i didn't know what an invoice was like i literally i had to go what what is an invoice (laughs) at the beginning um so i had to learn a lot and um but we just made stuff that we wanted to wear right like i i wanted a t-shirt that that celebrated motocross or bmx and um had some branding and some graphics to it and you know typography and everything and and so we just made shirts for us and that, every day i'd come back from the you know from being out and there'd be like a little pile of four yellow bags to go out that afternoon and then a week later there's like six and then you know a month later there's 20 and uh we just eventually a whole van had to turn up to pick up our sales and then the two vans and and this was all still out of your parents out of my parents garage yeah so we moved out eventually probably six months in we we ended up getting a little shed 
and I remember being so scared the first day thinking my god we've got to pay rent on this shed now and like there was a container coming from China with like you know board shorts in and different things like that and just freaking out like um is this even going to be doable you know so it's um yeah it's a very scary thing to undertake in building a brand and you know we just we just went for it and you, you don't need money you really don't like you just need that desire to go for it and yeah like we we just put everything we could in i had red bull as a client um in those early days so i'd be doing red bull stuff like doing the uh f1 car designs and like posters and uh logos for different events so like i was able to make a little bit of money from red bull and they'd be giving me cartons of red bull to kind of stay up late so we'd be doing like midnight finishes and um yeah it just honestly like it just took off so quickly and I think the motocross industry at the time was also coming into this surge. So we were at the right brand at the right time. And Australia is renowned for bringing out the best athletes or mm. some of the best athletes in the world. So, in our, you know, in our doorstep, like, you know, people lived in our own town of the Gold Coast were the best yeah. in the world, you know. Um, what was your doorway into those guys? Like, what was the first kind of athlete that you had? And the, like, what was the doorway to get in with those guys? Honestly, it was just shaking their hand at, at the events um, and just going, here's a here's a T-shirt, here's um, here's what we are, this is the brand we are. And they were just like, awesome, I'm sponsored. Like, yeah. I can get girlfriends because I've got a sponsor, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was that lame at the beginning. It was literally that small an industry. Um, I remember my brother ringing me. He went to an event in Melbourne and he's like, oh, there's all this wind today. And like, this is when Luke Urek and some yeah. of those guys were kind of like ruling the, the roost. And he said, there's this dude down here called Robbie Madison. He's the only one riding because all, all the pros are sitting in their vans. You know, they don't want to ride in the wind. But there's this dude, Robbie, who's just whipping up, you know, just destroying the course. We should sponsor. And I'm like, sounds good to me. Hit him up. So we got Robbie Madison in probably very early on, I think uh, maybe a year in. And um, yeah, he was obviously going to be very successful and great guy. And uh, so we worked with him. We, we knew eventually he was going to go to a Fox or a Thor or something like that. So we said, look, whilst, whilst you're still unknown, mm. please help us, which he was good enough to do. And in the end, I think Jetpilot paid him, you know, 10 grand or something like that. We just didn't have any money, so we couldn't hold on to him. But we weren't upset about it. We knew that was inevitable. He's got to make some money off his bike. And we wished him well, still friends to this day. And Robbie Adelberg, he was like a little kid on an 80 and yeah, freerider. He would have been young, dude. Yeah. Well, I remember being in Freerider magazine and putting him in the first story, like literally designing his story. And then I just rung up his dad and I'm like, can I send him some stuff, I reckon? Because he was doing like no nothings on his 80 in Victoria. And yeah, so was he, he's from Wagga, right? He's from Benalla. Oh, Benalla. Yeah. So, um, and I was partying with him in Austria uh, six months ago. Really? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, just top, top guy. Um, I mean, he's, he's one of the top FMX guys right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, he's still <clears throat> the dude. Yeah. So people we knew like Kane Saul was just like a mate and Matt Schubring, um, was just in Boona mm. and, um, yeah, so like just a couple of those guys that we knew and we just started talking to him. Levi Sherwood was just a little kid on an 80 at Krusty and um, spoke to him and Pages in France. Like we just, over the years, our, our sort of, I guess the level the of athlete, grew, yeah. it grew. So, um, but we were just on a, such a surge. And so we just got athletes that were just coming up and we were coming up. So sort of collaboratively, yeah. we all went, you know, we all rose to the occasion. And um, I was paying some of them 100K you know like they were getting paid <laughs> so. well that was the thing with you guys especially like we talked about alan hardy it was like that there was this perfect kind of union between you had what you were doing 
and well you and your brother in terms of like you were the design and then the business side of things then you got this guy alan that was like he's one of the most talented action sports filmmakers like in the world out of anybody you get that dude from channel fucking nine (laughs) you know and then you get these athletes that are all on this ground floor of this emerging all of these sports are essentially like emerging you've got this crazy level of talent down here it was just this perfect storm and then you guys as a business i think from the outside looking in and it was you guys invested in the riders like so much like i remember the dane searles i was at one of the unit shoots for dane searles when was it what farm was it was it at shuey's farm where they built that huge line yeah we built that that was like the biggest dirt jumps you've ever seen. I don't know if you yeah. ever stood on one of the, the takeoffs. I was there doing some yeah. of the filming. That Alan's, did, were you there the day the chopper fucking half clipped one of the trees? I think I heard about it. I don't think I was there that day. I don't know if that's public <laughs> knowledge, but there was a fucking there was a, a chopper clipping a pine tree out there one day. I was there for that day. I may not have told me that, but um, that's that's great. <laughs> as but long as I like, live. But there was like this, this crazy investment from you guys into the riders themselves, and it, like where did that even that thinking come from? Well, look, because I, that's very unique for the industry. Yeah, I think. Um, people didn't really give us enough credit for really celebrating the sport and putting back into it. Like those, was it four dirt hits? They cost me 60 grand. Mm. Like I could have put 60 grand into my house or my car or whatever, you know, but we put it into the, the sport and we never lost that from day one like we would always invest in like we want to help do the world's first something world's well, first Jed, triple back Jed Milton yeah yeah so like we love that like we we wanted to help propel the sport and help athletes achieve and that's why we're all fucking here like having a nicer car with bigger rims on it doesn't appeal as much as like being able to say look this helmet look i've got jed's helmet in my house i treasure mm. it like that's the first helmet that did a triple backflip on a bmx that run right there mm. <laughs> and um but you did have the cars at one point and all that we, shit, we did give us a we did spoil ourselves a little bit like you know we both love engineering some motorsport and stuff like that so we we did we did uh have some material goods um, which i'm not saying that's a bad thing no no you've seen both sides of the coin essentially absolutely but yeah i think we were really always adamant that we would help propel the sport further if we could you know Mm. and if athletes are willing to do stuff we'd help make that dream happen you know so um to this day that's probably some of the best stuff we did was i can still look back and go we allowed that to happen and we you know we had alan there and yourself filming it and capturing this stuff for the first time and i can't take fuck all credit for any of it like one or two shoots but yeah no it was just a it was a crazy time and you guys were you guys really did invest so much into into those sports and the, the athletes like a lot of those dudes have still got careers you know today that it's like if if unit wasn't there like it, it kind of was like the lifeblood of that industry really yeah someone said to me last week like the old unit was really where the heartbeat of two-wheel action sports was in the southern hemisphere and it's just not there anymore it's just now just a, a brand in a shop you know and i think uh yeah there was a magic that we had that was really just we got to crystallize it from different places and put a, a logo on it and put it on a video so yeah i wish there was more of that still going on in the world but i just think the world's a different place now man like unfortunately 
the if you've got a fucking business get a facebook pixel and just put bulk money into facebook ads like you want to you know you talk about and this kind of sucks and i'm it's not uh any one brand or like i love the south boys like full i'm fucking mates with those guys so full disclosure on that you know and it's like but the world's different now like you guys existed in a time with unit where the way that you did make a splash was by doing that there wasn't the facebook ads there wasn't the internet in the form that it is now e-commerce wasn't the thing that it is now so it's like i i think a lot of it just comes down to like the error and there was there was a lot of innovation in that error and because you guys needed to get that message out there because again you know you could just go in a b shirts in a shop and and people like there was such a lifestyle that was associated with that that brand but the world's too different like you can't do that shit now yeah i agree i think the 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 era is is over in many ways i think um yeah like it's going to be interesting to see what happens with electrification and some of these other things that are coming in i think there's going to be opportunity coming um but yeah like that that time was just so special like Mm. the first backflip the first double backflip um and yeah just the the hype around the sport and like looking back at those videos of emig and mcgrath you know living the dream and you know all of those things that went on like it's it was definitely an amazing time to be involved with it and uh yeah it's like even motocross now it just isn't the same level of um it's just not as important as it used to be to the average joe for some reason like you don't see dirt bikes on the back of vans very often like you do and you every time i see someone with the dirt bike in the back of a truck i'm like yes mm. there's there's one of my mates you know it won't be one of them but it's like it was one of my That's tribe one of the boys yeah. yeah you know and like that was so prevalent back in the early 2000s like there'd be vans with stickers on it and it mm. was just a, it, w- it was a lifestyle so um yeah it's it's definitely not the same as it was and um i hope we can come back i mean i don't know how but yeah. well the industry in australia is actually like fucking out of control right now like there's no stock anywhere for anything like i was talking to scotty runsman the other day and he was saying that they've sold out of everything pro circuit and this was all stock for old shit that they were basically gonna throw away because it was taking up space in the warehouse and it's like that's how fucking this whole covid thing has like affected the industry and it's like mx store can't get stock you know there's just like the the demand now and it's sort of what you said this whole covid thing's kind of changed the way that shit is getting done but it, it sort of feels like it's coming back around but it won't be the same thing again yeah it, it, it's not going to be the same yeah it, it's um like and even you know watching freestyle motocross and what's possible on a dirt bike now it looks like a computer game but it's real dudes doing it you know like um it's what would we do like a, a five backflips in a row to, to get the same level of interest you know wh- where does it go from here so um but yeah it's just good to know that dirt bikes are selling again and people mm. are connecting with nature and you know whether it's a mountain bike or a, or a motorbike or what have you but um yeah it's it's one of the benefits of this time so how what was it like blowing up that quick and obviously i again you can't say that it's like this overnight success but in five years to be selling more in australia than fox like that is blowing up and obviously there's a huge it's not taking away from any of the work that got done but it was a fucking success like an uber success what was it like to be you know part of driving that fucking ship like did it feel out of control yeah like i look back at that time like it was like all my dreams came true like i'm one of the few people that can say i've i got to live my dreams like and i've still got round two left (laughs) um so i really 
I'm very like I see the luck I've had to actually have experienced that and like um it was a real roller coaster ride like, I was gonna say I bet it was it wasn't it, from the outside it probably looked like we were living the dream and, and there was days where we were like I remember sitting on wakeboard boats in the Kuma River while commuters are just going over our head at 9am and we're just laid out with beers and shenanigans and like there was moments like that where you really got to enjoy it and um, but the late nights answering emails Skyping America in 11am on a Saturday morning like we put bulk work in to, mm. to get it so it wasn't like um, you know maybe we should have put some general managers on and just sat in an ivory tower somewhere you know which i would never do but yeah like we we just lived in it and we we learned as we went and um yeah it was it was amazing writing down goals and then hitting them that same year like it was incredible mm. like what we would write down in a january and then go we literally hit 90 percent of those goals like and so we just got into that routine of just smashing it and um yeah like it was just a surreal moment it really was so yeah it was just amazing times and and also it, it was it was a roller coaster it wasn't all fun and games but i bet it was stressful as fuck well yeah i was married at the time so i put a lot of strain on my relationship and uh that was difficult um having three kids during it as well was hard um but yeah i wouldn't change the the past it wouldn't mm. have got me here you know and i'm a happier man nowadays like you know it's it's interesting to think yeah, like I feel, I feel so much more euphoric about life today mm. than I did back then. Um, and I what's think, the reasons for that? I think, well, kind of like what you've been alluding to earlier, like you're just more relaxed. You take your time a bit more. Uh, living down here in, on the Gold Coast in Burley, just having a little bit more control over my day. I don't have 280 emails a day. Mm. Um, just having a bit more of a moment enjoying life you know not trying to like race to get this and oh we got to get that sale and we got to do this and yeah. we got to like make that phone call and do that event all of that gets very daunting after a while so um i love not having to do all that but i also crave when i did do that and it was fun and there's mm. moments where i still want to do that and um yeah like i've got some things coming that are going to bring that back but i just know i've got to keep it to a level that i want you know and yeah it's it's just decisions around what you invest yourself into and what the ramifications of that investment mean. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I like to try and put myself in your headspace back then. It's like making millions of dollars. Like what was peak turnover when you were running unit? Well, funnily enough, I said to my brother, like, let's make our password our goal. Right. So like I used to listen to a lot of Brian mm. Tracy. So he was like, write down your goal every single day on a diary, like 10 times. And I'm like, that's freaking that's I can't do that so I was like what if I just make my password my goal because I have to write that at least 10 times a day so I wrote 20 million with an exclamation mark as my internet password for every app and everything so inevitably in that day I wrote that goal now having a monetary goal was probably a mistake <laughs> my new goals are no longer monetary but at that time that was our goal and exactly eight years later we turned over 20 million dollars 19.997 was like three grand less so like that goal we literally almost hit perfectly from that internet password it's so like a life hack i always promote that idea to people is like if you're going to write down a goal you've got to put internet passwords in every day so you might as well like instead of typing down like some you know blah 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 at six nine you know whatever yeah, yeah. you might as well type something that you want to do so i i recommend um having that around your own happiness because mm. ultimately that's all we have so um money doesn't bring happiness um it makes it easier but um yeah that was 
that was amazing hitting that target and to that to that level of a degree um but it was the worst year of my life at the same time so Mm. yeah what was some of like the shit you were just having to deal with alongside because like that it is hard to it's hard for people to dissect the fact that you might be paul everest that's running unit but you're also paul and paul's gonna go through some shit regardless of what the fuck unit does well that's it and i think um yeah it was it was just such a like you're just juggling so many balls in the air all the time and and uh yeah just uh the partying got a bit crazy at certain points and that was like a bit of a relief valve as well Mm. if i'd gone to meditation it probably would have been a better result um so like i nearly died on one occasion um what happened there i don't really want to say too much about it but i basically woke up in hospital and they said i nearly died uh the day before it was after a christmas party so uh (laughs) so you sent it yeah <laughs> so and ended up painting like uh, i remember i remember seeing the um the, the roof of the ambulance was the last thing i remember seeing so i ended up painting that at one stage just as like this is the last thing i'm ever going to see because i remember consciously thinking well wow, i'm gonna die and that's the last vision was the phillips um speaker on the roof of the ambulance <laughs> wow so um so i ended up painting that as a memory for myself uh to just never get hopefully never have to see that yeah. Again, you know, because I can um, imagine that, like, you just when a thing becomes a lifestyle in the way that because unit was a lifestyle for you boys, really. Like you got, to, like you said, you got to live your dream. Like it's such a fucking, and I guess it's like one of those things where be careful what you wish for, you know. And it's like you got all the things that you wanted, but they come with so much shit that you would have never fucking known was coming. I never understood that um, that analogy until you know, like yeah, like be careful what you wish for is so critical. Like it really, it does, it can come back to bite you. So mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, it was yeah horrific. Like it was just long days and um, yeah, like you're dealing with staff. Like I had a hundred hundred staff. I'd walk through the warehouse. I wouldn't know people's names. Um, it was just too big a monster to try and deal with. And like, um, I mean, I did get to see a lot of different countries so i got to fly all over the world i got to see like all the places i wanted to visit so that was really cool i spent a lot of time flying um just meeting cool athletes and just you know getting getting off of it you know and and just going nuts you know different different towns um and like a lot of my very close mates with now like i go to austria every year with george at masters of dirt and help them with their range oh yeah 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 and like he's the wildest human i've I've met that guy's an absolute legend um i met fabio wibmer we're working on a bit of a project with him at the moment and i still get a lot of the benefit of all those years you know having been over there and even in the states like i'm working on a few other things at the moment so i've got some leads into there and yeah just that was a chapter in my life where you know i was out of control um and yeah i get to go and you know hopefully take take learning lessons from that whole period and apply them to the next chapter that's coming you know did you like and i'm probing because i sit like for myself i'm a guy that but every fucking person is susceptible to the trappings of goals essentially or like hitting certain things like the more freedom you have the more dangerous uh you know it's it comes with it just comes with more responsibility like fucking great power great responsibility like the bigger you get the more money you get the more influence you get the more 
the more of everything you get, the more responsibility that you have to not fuck that up, dude. Mm-hmm. And like, essentially, you fucked it up in certain ways, you know? Oh, we did. Like, I mean, there was, I think, a very difficult period where the brand got so saturated at a point that we just had so many people hating us. Like, it was like a hater. True, huh? You know, like, the problem with fashion is... um an old surf guy said this to me in California. He was an Aussie guy who's involved with like Rip Curl, one of those other brands. He was like, size is the enemy of cool. As soon as everyone in that town has your sticker on their windscreen and has seven of your t-shirts, it's game's up. You can't go anywhere from there. And so our success was our own failure in that way. Like it just got to, I remember sitting in a restaurant in, in um, uh, Logan and like, there was just like six people sitting down in the same restaurant all wearing the exact same t-shirt like same design and i just thought what what is happening like how does this go and so it wasn't long after that that we just started getting hate everywhere Mm. so um it got a weird association too to where it was like oh units like the bogan brand and i bet like i always thought like i always felt for you on a personal level as like i didn't know you super well but i knew you enough to where like you you're not a bogan (laughs) and i was like man how much would it suck to be making fucking 20 million you know dollars a year or whatever like you're making this fucked up money but it's like you kind of lose uh and again it's like with size like you lose control and you can't like you got to go a certain way to get money like to get sales and a certain thing works so the nature of business you follow that but then it almost seemed like you got trapped in in this like niche or this like Aussie bogan kind of thing. And I don't feel like you were the kind of guy that ever wanted to be associated with that. And like, I always wondered if that fucked with you. Oh, definitely. It fucked with my brother and I, I think like we didn't know what a bogan was. We came here from Papua New Guinea as teenagers and we were like, what's a bogan? Like Mm. we didn't understand that, that term. I think inevitably motocross brands are stereotyped with that, Mm-hmm. anywhere like you could say fox is a bogan brand as well so i think it comes with the territory to a degree i think we didn't help it with um some of the photography that we did with models and so yeah. on like we we probably asked for it a bit yeah um, which you just wouldn't have known at the time no we didn't we just all we knew was people were buying it was working. It. Yeah. yeah and so we went with it and i think um yeah like i remember seeing like an anti-unit facebook page had like seventeen thousand followers like it was like literally fuck anyone with a unit sticker on their car 17,000 followers dude I remember that kind of shit eh <laughs> like I look back now and I just think like that's fine it's just part of the what, what, what goes on but yeah the problem with fashion like you can scale a restaurant you can scale you know a drink company but mm-hmm. if you scale a fashion brand Oakley discovered it um, Stussy you know like that goes through ups and downs where it's like you can't wear that at the moment like it's just part of fashion and yeah. um yeah. Um, but did you have that perspective when you were in not, it though? We just were like, let's just take this thing to the universe. Like, let's just keep smashing it and go to America and do all that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, inevitably it just got stigmatized with that. And uh, yeah, that's just the way it went. And we didn't really have a control of it. You don't really own your brand. Your your customers own mm-hmm. your brand. So, um, but again, like I look back fondly, you know, like I still see unit shirts all the time and I always just have a smile on my face when I see one. Like, um, it's just it's part of life it's what it's how it's how it went and um i'm still got plenty of plenty of mojo left to go and do other things or Mm. um yeah like 
it's yeah like life life is going to throw different challenges your way and um man i had a ball it was a, it was a great time for, for the most part there was moments that, that i didn't enjoy but um it's a story it's mm. it's like being in a movie that's basically it like you fucking were a character bro. <laughs> yeah like you were you were like an aussie fucking wolf of wall street kind of kind of dude for for like a good fucking chunk of time man yeah, I mean, it was really difficult because um, you do get, like, isolated to a degree because, um, mm. like, to some extent, I wish I'd spent more time with, you know, my riders and my mates and, like, got out there a bit more. But, like, we were just trying to run this monster and it was just so difficult. And It's yeah. that zero distance thing, man. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot in that. And um, You're just operating at zero distance. And when you're at zero distance to yourself, like... You're not in control. Yeah. Look, I, I, I see that as definitely a, a huge issue that, that we both had trying to deal with it. And we were only 25, yeah. you know, like, so it was like, you don't expect that. Like one day you can't afford a, a sandwich and the next day, like this thing's just exploded. And, you know, um, it was just, it was a crazy ride. <laughs> what was it like to have money for the first time like that? And like, how do you even get, when you get to that point in your business, like, how do you even get money to where it's like, we're taking a million bucks? Like, was there any of that sort of shit? And like, how does it even get to that? Um, it was just, it was cool not having to think about, like, look at the Bowser and the fuel, like filling up the car. That was one of the things I remember. It's like, I never had to worry about mm. how much the fuel was or like not filling it up. Yeah. Um, so like funny things like that really stand out that I didn't have to think about day to day. Because you just didn't come from money. No, no. We, I mean, my parents could barely afford a YZ80 when we were kids. We had a 19, uh, sorry, secondhand YZ80 that was our first bike. And, um, you know, like I remember riding it up, the, uh, pushing it up the hill to ride it down the hill without an engine because it didn't work. Mm. And I would just go up and down in the backyard just pushing this bike just so I could pretend it worked, you know, mm. as a 15-year-old. So, um, yeah, we, we certainly uh had no money never never experienced having money um but yeah it was it was really rewarding to just go and like buy an m3 mm. you know that feeling of just driving it out of the dealership and just all the pain and all the anguish to to that day was just such an you know exhilaration feeling um you know having a boat to go and you know f have fun on um I mean, yeah, like I don't miss any of those things at the same time. Like just mm. to have experienced them was cool and like to go, like I got my dream car. And Was all, that when you got the Skyline? Uh, yeah, well, that was, that. I didn't know that Skylines existed. We're on our way to get another vehicle and this guy's like, have you seen the new GTR? And I was like, what's that? And he goes, showed me the video of Jeremy Clarkson like throwing his neck out. Zilla baby. Yeah, and I was just like, um, well, let's he goes, one he, of them. he goes, I've got one that a guy's picking up tomorrow. It was the first one on the Gold Coast. It was the first one in Australia, I think. And he goes, come for a drive. So we went for a spin and I was just like. Yeah, they're bullshit, huh? Oh, just. It's like a video game car. They, they are an amazing tool for the road. Like in terms of just a scalpel blade for the road, that car is unbeatable. Mm -hmm. you know? And I've driven everything, but that thing is just something about it. Yeah. Um, when you put it in race mode and the fucking thing tucks down and there's just like, yeah, baby. just feeling your head hit the back of the thing, you know? So at the time that was like the car to have. And so like getting that and like, you know, um, did you and your brother get one each? No, for some reason there was a rumor about that. I remember sitting on a plane once and I had a unit bag and the guy sitting next to me was goes, oh, my mate knows the owners of unit. 
And I'm like, oh, really? What's his name? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh, I heard they both bought a GGR each. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> um, I never told him who I was, but but yeah, like funny rumors would go around about different things, you know. Um, but no, we just, he had an M3. I had, I had the Skyline and then like we had like a few different cars and enjoyed that. We could have gone a lot harder and done, but Lambos and Ferraris, I think they're just, it's a, that's a bit more. It's like a next level. Look at me deal. sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So um, we never went that far. Um, but yeah, just, just having like, like I love just having a boat, like just a little wakeboard boat, nothing really crazy, but that was just so much fun. Like being able to just jump in that on a Saturday morning and just go for a spin and, you know, take the athletes and your mates. And like, yeah, it was just, I don't know, like if you live on the Gold Coast, you need to have yeah. a boat, like definitely need one. So yeah, that was really good. And um, I think once once you've had that sort of um, money sitting in your bank account, it, it once you've bought that like thing, like especially if we love cars, we're both very motorsport yeah. oriented. We're both, we're both like industrial designers, my brother and I. So we really had a passion for cars. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm gonna buy this car so people think I'm cool. Mm. It was like, we love that what that object is other people who get successful in life might have like some crazy ping pong addiction so they buy some diamond crusted ping pong table like mm. that's their thing you know so yeah. um yeah i think that was really a good perk for all the work that went into it but um which like the it's weird when there's a level of hate that's as associated with it and i don't know whether you had like this a feeling of guilt towards wanting to like have those purchases or the ability to have those purchases i don't know if like maybe you were just fucking on a high and killing it to the point where you didn't really consider it but there is like a weird thing that people kind of have like a resentment towards people that actually can like afford to buy something like that which i, I think, never understood and i've been poor yeah. my whole life and i still yeah. don't have any resentment to anyone that like has shit yeah i never had that either i mean i having spent a lot of time in the states and just seeing the difference like Australia definitely has tall poppy syndrome and I feel like it's a terrible thing to, that our country has that. And so in America, like you get on a plane in America and they'd be like, so, so-and-so was on the flight and everyone on the plane would be like, you know, clapping yeah, for this person. Yeah. And I was like, if that was Australia and they were like- They're like, oh, who's this fuckhead? Yeah, what does he think like, he is? So-and-so was on the plane and be like, oh, I couldn't give a fuck, mate. Yeah. That's, that's basically like, yeah. and you know, um, it's just so interesting watching that dynamic play out in both countries. So um, I think South Africa has the same issue actually as, as that. I've maybe it's that well. maybe it's sort Ireland's of like same. colonialization sort of like uh, thing. Um, so I don't know, but uh, sometimes hate is earned, you know, like sometimes if people hate you, they've got an emotional attachment to you. Your biggest haters are your biggest fans, you mm. know? And I know people who are very successful that I work with today who, who've, who are doing way better than I've ever done. Like seriously good and they get hate emails and like someone's pointed them out and i'm like dude forget about it this is this is going to happen and that person is emotionally invested in you and they live every day thinking about you because you've done something that they've just been emotionally captivated by mm. they're your biggest fan so i got through a lot of that hate through just going these people are putting in effort to to go out of their way to to pull us up or say something so yeah, that's how how I look at it. When you had that ambulance experience, like who was in your life that could tell you anything? Probably no one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of, that's the fucking problem, right? I think um, there probably was two or three people, one, two of which are overseas. One was in Melbourne. So my closest, closest mates, only one of them lives here on the Gold Coast, like super, super close mates. And at that time, yeah, like now I'm really tight with a couple of mates and like 
I wish I'd had that relationship with them mm. in those days, like where it was like, you know, that sort of a thing. So I just didn't have anywhere to go. And my relationship at home was quite toxic. So I literally was just isolated and, mm. um, yeah, I had nowhere to go. And I'm not trying to play the victim here. Or no, say, no, like, no. It makes sense, me. man. Like, it yeah. makes fucking perfect sense. And that's why I'm trying to, sort of like, to dig into it because, yeah. like, it does make sense that you're in this place where you're, like, you're the head of this company and, like, you were more the face than your brother, right? Is that... Yeah, I think just inevitably, if there was a camera crew or whatever, I'd go and talk. He, he felt more comfortable letting me do it. And because um, I'm a marketing person, I can yeah. just, you know, like... I guess I just inevitably took that that role for the you know right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say like there's it just fuck man it just is what it is like when when you get to that that level like I mean it's like a fear of mine that I even have with this and it's like man there's been so many opportunities where like shits come up that is like well if if we run this story and if you say this and if we do that then like we could make this out of it and I'm just like. I'm fucking honestly scared of that shit. Like, I've been on the other side of people who are going, like, you know, you got the athletes and the fucking comedians and you've got, like, all these, you know, you're out in the musicians and and you just see that there's just, like, these trappings of fucking success that just seems so unavoidable if you're not, like, very, very even keel and you're, like, you've got people around you that can tell you you're a fucking idiot and then you don't storm out of the room or you don't lash out at them. You know, like there's a certain level of like, yeah, just like conscious awareness and like humility that has to stay intact for you to like continue in that environment. And then the problem is, is then when you add like all the extra shit and if there's like substances, you've got a lot of money, then you've got a lot of people that, you know, maybe there were people trying to tell you stuff and then you're like, fuck off, dude. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't need to listen or you purposely kind of like self-isolate a little bit and then it's like just you and your fucking, you and your thoughts and you and your, you know, there's like extra paranoia gets created about like people are out to get me, these people are trying to shut me down, these guys are trying to fuck me over, you know, there's like some weird shit and, and I'm like, I know you're not trying to play the victim in it, but like I'm sympathetic to that. Like I've seen it; it's fucking real. Like the yeah. the, the stuff that you would have had to oh, go through. I see it with other people in a similar situation now. You know, in my circle of friends who are going through it, and I try and pull them up on stuff and like tell them stuff that's happened to me. Like I lost my mind there for a while. Like I mirrored out in my entire office. Like I covered the floor, the ceiling, the walls mm. in mirrors, and I look back. I was just sort of going through a really strange phase where I was trying to figure out what the hell... That's where I started thinking about all this, like, what is everything? Like, mm-hmm. what what is going on? Why am I in this place? And I got here, this is all my dreams came true, and then this is it? Like, mm-hmm. this is... This but is but the, that's probably the most empty you ever felt. Exactly. You couldn't have said it better. That is exactly where I was at. And so, like, building that sort of studio with, like, an oxygen tank and a reclining sort of scenario, like... So, yeah, let's just go through this fuck. Let's go into the glass room. What the fuck was that about? Well, that that idea came from just sitting on an aeroplane and noticing that my ideas were best on a, on a plane. Whenever I was on a plane, it was like, that's where I was most creative. Mm. And um, I think it's because it's like an out-of-body type experience so I was like why can't I just have that all the time like why can't I just have that feeling or whatever that thing is on tap in a building so how would I do that and I was like I'll just create an extra dimensional space and I thought I'll just mirror the whole thing out the whole thing would just be like the infinite just streaming away everywhere 
and um, I think it cost like 20 grand, like, which is, and I think back now, I think, why the hell would I spend 20 grand on my office? Mm. Um, but it, it was amazing, like going in there and actually sitting in there and like, you felt like you were going into a different realm. Mm. <laughs> and so, yeah, I would go in there on a Sunday, like the warehouse is completely empty. I'd go in there and I'd design unit t-shirts, design ads, and I would actually be really super creative in there. And um, it actually worked, which is the funny bit. It actually worked. So I had a, like a recliner with an oxygen tank, full on. The whole room would become oxygenated, and um, I'd be cranking Pink Floyd or whatever music Dark I was into. Dark Side of the Moon, fucking yeah. that intro is like one of the most ins- like creatively inspiring fucking sounds ever. I'd be in there on a Sunday smoking weed, drinking whiskeys, other things, listening to Dark Side of the Moon on a Sunday that, all day. What that album is stoned. It's it's unbeatable as a as a musical experience. <laughs> I need to take a piss, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, just go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That room, like you just sort of get in there, sit, smoke weed, and just be designing shit flat out. Yeah, so I probably did that for about a year, every second Sunday or something like that, and so it was just like it was it was trying to figure out how to zero out and create space in my own mind and i think uh when i look back on i didn't really think of it like that but it was a release mechanism and um but being creative was what i did so like i was doing work but it was actually relief like designing t-shirts which is why i started unit Mm. was actually the fun bit and then running a business was the shit bit Mm. so like just going back to what i loved inevitably you can't do that because when you own the business you've got to like run the warehouse and the administration Mm. and the finance and this and that and so more and more over time my day was just like managing people and managing admin um whereas on a sunday no one could knock on my door and be like hey how do we do this or or what have you um so it was a way to kind of get back to why i started it Mm. originally and um yeah, it's, it's cool to just kind of relive that and just sort of psychoanalyze it a bit, but that's basically why I think I was doing it. Yeah, because, man, I can just imagine that it won't... Like, it, there's not, it's not like you guys did these business degrees and, like, would you... If we could just sit and have, like, a unit business meeting now of, like, probably what you guys should have done, like, what would have been the things that you should have done? Should you have bought some people in that were super skilled in the... In the that kind of world and let go of a bit more responsibility like tried that really? I had the top billabong staff I had the top a lot of them were really good yeah I had like some guys I was paying like five grand a week top top brass of like volcoms and billabongs and I ended up sacking them um so it wasn't so much bringing in that sort of I think if I could answer that in hindsight it would just be keeping it fun and keeping it small like Mm. trying to build a business based on the trouble is when you have staff and you have 30-day accounts so you've got like 100 stores and then they don't pay you for 60 days so you've got to buy the stock a year before Mm. deliver it and then you don't get paid for it so there's this like expansive gap where you become a bank Mm. right so the unit bank and we made a lot of people millionaires through selling our stuff as well like little mom and pop short stores would, mm. would become massive because they were selling units so which we love we loved being able to help people also live their dreams but then you end up becoming a bank for them because they don't pay you until the, the way the surf industry works is you don't get paid until mm. 30 days after in date of invoice so you're stretching your account and the trouble with businesses that are booming is if you have a delay in 
revenue and you're going like that, you basically You've can't You've got to grow. buy more stock, which, and, but you don't have the money because you're constantly... This is, this is it. And I've got a lot of other mates in business now who I, who I coach through this, you know, and having done it all wrong, mm. it's easy for me to help. So what was right. wrong though? Like what, what should you change to do that? Slow the rate of growth. Yeah. Basically, don't employ people like that. Yeah. Try and take your time who you employ. Have a tight team, like a SEAL team. You yeah. know, if I did it again, uh, which I may do, it'll be a tight little fire team and it'll be six of us and that's it. Yeah. And we 3PL the warehouse. Someone else won't worry about that. Yeah. The accounts are done elsewhere, but there's certain targets, there's certain goals and there's certain accountability yeah. that goes into it. And um, But you don't know all that when you're 25 just I was trying to say, design like, t-shirts. There's, there's got to be so much of it that was just you wanting to be the character. Like, you know how you said it felt like a movie? Like, you're the director of your movie. Like, you were casting yourself which is kind of the scary thing to think about is like obviously like on some level you kind of wanted to be that character right i think i just wanted to be successful and that's the result of what the success was going to be was having to be doing mm. that day to day and like i never wanted me to be the mascot for unit i always wanted to kind of be in the shadows of it i never really wanted to be known or anything like that and like we could have gone a lot harder at trying to be known i feel like a lot of hate started happening when i won entrepreneur of the year yeah um, and that sort of all of a sudden it's like oh that guy owns unit so someone owns it like it's sort of like this thing that you follow and like and then there's a person that owns it like brands mm. like if you if, if you think of fox like not everyone knows Pete greg fox, fox or Pete fox. Pete, yeah so i think they did a good job at staying in the shadows but one when you win awards like that you get a lot of press and so a lot of hate started happening when we won a lot of those awards so don't do awards <laughs> just yeah. stay in the shadows no yeah. one knows no one knows who you are you can only do that to a certain degree um but there's like this long game that's kind of like hard to play right and it's the same as being i mean you could say with this it's like if i go out and let's so i've been doing it three years almost so let's say i'm like this dude that i'm like fight in five years like i'm gonna be the fucking number one guy like you got all this shit it's like all right is it better to be the guy that got to number one in five years or that was still doing it in 15 and it's pretty hard to have that kind of hindsight at the time obviously but it's like you know you guys hit those crazy numbers and it was like you reached those levels of success but then it stops yeah, I think there's only so many ways you can write the word unit and do an ad or do a do yeah. a designer. So I'd probably I'd fallen out of love with unit probably around 2012, 20, 20 no actually 2010 even, you know, like so I just I just had enough of it. Like I just mm. didn't want to look at another t-shirt, but you're trapped. You've got to make a make an appearance at 8 a.m. that morning at the at the you know, the staff meeting, you know. So I remember dreading those days, just like I don't want to go to work. I just want to How you know. could you keep it more fun then? I think a lot of other people that I see succeeding have just got really strong general managers who have started, maybe they've been organically grown inside the company. Mm. Um, you can give, you know, stock to your, your, your staff, which I probably would do. I would literally give a piece of the action to my top SEAL team um, and give them a piece of it. And so, you, you know, you're no longer just the guy, like there's, you're all part mm. of the same decision process and six brains are going to be better than one brain, mm. right? So you got six processes instead of one um you know if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together so mm. that's something i wish someone had explained that to me 
Do you guys probably like, did you have a lot of mentors and stuff as well? Or were you guys really just like you and your bro just flying by the fucking seat of your pants? Pretty much. I mean, I, who do you go to though? Like, this is what I discovered. Like I I, I met the guys that ran custom and Palmer's like the, the, the the surfboard wax. They sold that to Billamong for 25 million. Um, a couple years after I met them, they were the only people I could go to who had run a business that had scaled. And one of them surfed with my, my mate. Yeah. So I got to meet him and he was awesome. Like, um, just giving me some, he gave me an account and he gave me a bank manager and he gave me like a whole bunch of great advice just over a beer and somewhere down here in Palm Beach. <laughs> yeah, right. And I still remember that day was great because he literally, he could, he could have just been like, oh, I'm not ha- helping a potential competitor, even though we weren't really competitors, but he just handed over all the, and that's what I'm like now. Like when I meet people and I help people with other businesses, I'm like, do this. Here's all the, here's all the secrets I learned. I don't care. Yeah. Take them, you know? Um, and but like so you guys didn't really have active kind of mentors that you could really kind of go to not from a business standpoint yeah. but my dad's always great and so my dad's a zoologist so you know and my mom's an artist and english teacher so those two realms are very powerful for certain parts of my life and i feel like i'm a kind of combination of the two of mm. my parents in many ways science and art has always been my thing yeah true. um so Dude. my parents are amazing yeah. and i love my parents to death like they're, they're just they've done such a good job of you know like we've got three three brothers in our family so they're just the, the best parents you could ever hope for um, so I got lucky with my parents, but in terms of like someone who's run a business and taken it from an idea to like, you know, into yeah. big box retailers, who do you go? Like, I mean, it's probably easier now to approach people. But yeah. Like, cause you got to think like now my first time, I'm like, you know, you got LinkedIn. You, I'm like, you don't have fucking that shit back then. Not really. Like there was very little, like I went to the guy that ran brothers Nielsen and he was like, he was like, I, I don't don't ask me I want to ask you how the hell did you make this like they were like trying mm. to they were like trying to ask me questions and I'm like I, I, we just kind of like I don't know how this happened but like they ended up interviewing me yeah, <laughs> um, right. and so yeah it was it was unfortunate that there wasn't a great deal of places you could have gone maybe we could have tried harder but they, again you're so busy just trying to like keep yeah. this business going and then you got to like go over here and like do this and how yeah. do you how and do then you do like it? you got to be yourself too like you've you got to have a life yeah, yeah you got to remember who you are you know mm. and so yeah i think you know i'm sure a lot of entrepreneur types would be listening to this and i would just say to them yeah like just be careful what you wish for was the first thing yeah. i would say and um try and get some good people around you who genuinely want you to succeed because a lot of wolves will shop as well and just want to take it all off you yeah um you know and people who you've you've entrusted will will just disown you in a heartbeat yeah um so yeah be careful who you trust definitely and so what fucked it up in the end look i think it was a combination of oversaturation as the primary problem me and my brother kind of just getting a bit over it um and that that stretch of financial when things did get hard if if you're stretched financially and you're a bank like you're owed a million two million bucks and you've got to pay two and a half million yeah that's a it it takes two weeks and then that that scale can 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 come out so um 
I think we had some good accounts at, at different points, but no one else we knew had run a business like this. And, you know, it's it's this action sport edgy brand that's loose and it was, as it was fucking... like volatile too at the same yeah, time. Yeah, like anyone, I mean, people were like, there was a couple of articles in the newspaper like Billabong should buy, like a lot of the shareholders at Billabong wanted to buy unit. I was going to ask, I was going to say, did you ever have any fucking crazy offers to buy? We got offered like two million bucks. Um, no, that's not when we were, yeah, this is this is when we were only doing like six hundred, and we were just like no fucking yeah, way. Like, but because we, we were doing like a year before we did a hundred, so yeah. why would we sell it for two? You know, so yeah. there was a couple offers like that along the way. But um, I feel like nowadays that if it was doing what it did nowadays, it would have probably been bought. Possibly. I mean, we're also very edgy. Like, I mean, some of the stuff we did, like I would never get away with now. Yeah, like, true. I think so. It's hard to know. We were we were a very formidable and sort of risky premise, you know, to to, yeah. be, to go to an accountant and a bunch of shells and say, look, this brand here, they they talk about, you know, um, life is a dream and we are the imagination of a self in their ads. We should buy them. Yeah. You know, who's going to do that? So um, that's that sort of, yeah, made it difficult. And um, so yeah, I think, yeah, being not being business people trying to learn on our way you know we probably should have made better decisions yes and no we'd made some great decisions we we definitely um especially it's hard to when like the the like the decisions that everybody probably told you not to make and when they worked there's like a weird confirmation bias that would have been happening with you guys because it's like the most unconventional non-advised shit would be the stuff that was blowing you up so when you're get into a habit of like hey kind of the crazier the thing we can come up with is the thing that makes us the most amount of money so it's like what you're telling me this is a crazy idea now and i shouldn't do this uh history says i kind of need to do this that would turn me on if i said to someone should i do this and they're like dude don't do that i would be like i'm fucking doing this and Mm. and and most of the time it worked out there was a couple moments where some shit went down that i you know regret but um most of them worked and worked really well um, but yeah, we learned so much. Like my brother runs Princess Polly now. It's a four hundred million dollar business, Insane, and he's eh? he's the GM of that. And like he just runs Australia, and like he's got like the people that run that. And you know he's he's got a great team that, that he works with, and he's learned tons in that role. Um, and my younger brother's got a you know his own empire. That he's going with 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 masks, you know. So like yeah. we've been very lucky with entrepreneurial spirit in our family. And so, like, I played golf, and you know, we do, we don't play golf. We just fuck around on the driving range and drink piss. Yeah. But we we had a good meet. We have an Everest Brothers meeting every second Sunday. Me and my yeah. my brothers, and we talk about different opportunities, and and we share notes and stuff, and um, we laugh about the, the past and what what happened, and and um, yeah, like if I could wake up tomorrow and you know and race it, no way. It was fucking awesome. Like. Yeah. And, I, I can't pay for that experience. I couldn't go into nah, a university dude. and say, can you give me a degree in all your dreams coming true and then all of them getting removed? Here you go. Yeah. Like, no one can do, give you that. So um, yeah, learn tons. Um, and I'm going to be applying that. Like, I just got out of a divorce, so I couldn't really do anything for the last two years. So I'm just ready. I'm just at the lights, of, at, the, at, the, at, the, at, the at the gate, gate yeah. ready to just, I'm looking at that, you know, that, that, that pin ready to go. So um, yeah, I've got so much more to do. Like in... Um, I've got the experience now of, you know, I'm not saying I know it all by yeah. any means, but I know a lot more than I did when I started unit and um, I'll be applying that into multiple different avenues in the future. So was it um, ever a strain on you and your brother's relationship? I didn't talk to him for like three years. Fuck. I think it was three, two years, three years, something like that. Damn, when it all went dude. down. Yeah. 
we were so tight and then we just we were just like it was just too much to lose you know it was just too much of a and did it so so it felt like when it went down and you guys lost the brand like because i don't even understand if it's too much to go into then That's like right. don't go into it but like lo- actually what's the process of losing your brand like that because there's not a lot of people that could even say they've gone through like that even yeah like essentially um you you have a line of credit with the bank so like the bank is having to like i mean if if you if you can get paid up front you don't need a bank so i highly yeah. recommend that to everyone and then with the internet now you can kind of get paid up front with your shopify, shopify so shit. it's not a problem that's going to be as as uh, a bigger thing today yeah but um yeah like you're really under the if the bank want to back you they can when shit kind of went south we had a buyer in california that had written to us saying we're gonna we're gonna put an offer in on Monday, but the bank never gave us that opportunity to actually um, follow through on that. So they were gonna buy your debt for a part of the company, or buy the company. Yeah, so they basically pay down the debt, yeah. and then they just just inject a ton of coin into it and just take it into different distribution outlets. And so, because I always, from the outside looking in, it always looked to me like America's what kind of was the big fuck, fuck up. For my you dad guys. was like, "Never, go, why don't go to America? Don't go to America." And yeah, of course, I that the idea <laughs> is like, go to America, right? Like yeah. the promised land. And yeah. So that was a mistake. We went to America thinking that was going to be, and I mean, it was for a while. We had Paxson. Mm. We we're outselling Metal Militia and Fox in Paxson. This little Aussie brand, you know, mm. um, you know, no fear. So the no fear chain bought us off. We were outselling every other brand in the no fear chain. Then they went under with, and they they owed us like a million bucks, and they went under. So we lost that. Never see that again. And that was like a really big mm. one to cop. <laughs> and we were, you know, jumping on planes every couple of weeks to go in between here and the states, and it was just hell. We just were over it, mm. and uh, it wasn't it Especially, was not fun. Yeah, and then you lose like a bit of love for the brand itself, and then it just becomes like this fucking weight on your shoulders. It just became horrible, and I just wanted to get it over and done with. And it, yeah, eventually you just you know, you just sit down with the bank and you basically explain where you where you're at, and we just do a deal and get out of it and wash your hands of it. And um, really, yes, yeah, so the brand still had currency in it. Like the Sarov guys are obviously running it, and good luck to them. You know, um, you know, I'm glad to see the brand still alive. You know, like that's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I was gonna say that's like the right attitude too. You know, yeah, it's like you yeah. gave birth to this thing and it was still good enough to like, to this day, still be an entity, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I hope it does go on to succeed, you know, and um, it's a piece of my life. It's a piece of Australian. It's a piece of Australian culture. Well, yeah, it is like, in, and um, especially from the two wheel action sword side of things. And I mean, it is a household name in Australia for the most part, which is really cool to say that. And like, you know, it's like, um, I'll still go into someone's house and there'll be a unit clock on the wall. And I'll be mm. like, oh, I designed that. And they're like, you what? You know, yeah. like, so like there's moments where I still enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I, I had a great experience. Um, the ending was, was tough. Um, I went through a divorce not, not long after, which was really horrible. Um, but now I'm on the other side of all that. And I'm so happy where my life's at now. I've, I've got, I live in a new city. I've got new businesses, you know, new, new girlfriend, new everything. And yeah, like my kids love me. You know, I get to see him when I see him and we have a ball together. And uh, yeah, like I've, I've got a lot of stories and a lot of experience I can pass on to other yeah. people through through what I've been through. So that's really good. Yeah. No, man, people are going to be like for for whatever the emotion 
it, that's attached to it too. I think people are going to generally be excited to like hear from you like in this form too because man like you just went like you guys just went away completely and I'm sure there's like a lot of reasons for it but it's like to be such like this powerhouse and then because it wasn't like a the brand trailed off or and you know like it fell off and then it fell apart it was almost like right at the fucking peak is when it's like a band breaking up off a number one album everyone's just like what the fuck but to get it to where you are like you are a visionary bro like there's no in in that space like for what you did and your brother did that and it's like no, no one can take that away from you guys either to make that big of a fucking impact in such a short period of time and you know what I created that thing to BMX right like being able to like start with a little hill and dig two jumps like leave the ground here and land there put the work in and build the jump and then jump it that was everything to me like that that taught me how to work mm. for a reward and this idea of like um, you know like there's a delay with that reward so you you dig your jump mm. you line up you weigh up the options and then you jump and that as a kid doing building dirt jumps and jumping them is just I just applied that to business and then so it's visionary in that it's just yeah like going back to that simple equation of like yeah. just building jumps yeah. and you know if you want to be good at something you got to put the work in and you got to pay the price and then if you're prepared if you're prepared to pay it you can get it yeah you know? so yeah that's that's really all it is it's just thinking of like having this vision in your mind of what you want to do writing that shit down and then putting the work in you know really the, and that's the hard bit not everyone wants to put the work in you can't just sit there and think about yeah lobster thermidor in the sedan and have one materialize that evening yeah, yeah. you know that's not going to happen yeah. but in in reality you apply those techniques and you you can succeed and ideas will come to you yeah people don't have ideas ideas have people you just need to be the one on on the planet just go and come to me you know yeah. and be the one that that just the lightning strikes at you know well that's that's one of the things that i I go like back to with this whole like the meditation mindfulness stuff is that like you give yourself space for shit like that like if you're a person that like I, I kind of feel like I've got this underlying thing of your heart beats without you trying you breathe without you trying you wake up every single day without trying like there's some force at work that is good like there is some quality thing that you're just aligned with that keeps going so it's like that's sort of one of the things in my head where if you can just make some space for something new like if your life kind of fucking sucks right now all your thoughts are negative you're in this shit space like maybe what you need to do is like you said you just let something come don't fucking try don't think about all the shit that you've done before it obviously hasn't worked make some room for completely new shit to come to you from a place that it's never come from because there's just never been any room that's kind of how i can relate to what you're saying and it's it's shit like i'm learning off of like i appreciate that because i feel like <clears throat> that's a weakness in in my life is like comprehending that otherwise it's just pushing a wheelbarrow up a hill you know mm. full of bricks which is one of my close mates said to me the day and i was like that's actually really true like like i'm when i get onto an idea like i just go for it and yeah. like that's good in some ways but i feel like I've been lacking to just chill out. Yeah. That email can go tomorrow. Like, um, you know, take your time, hurry slowly. I think, you know, those things are, are quite relevant, but um, you can go too fast, too furious. And that's certainly what we did. And, and um, it was just, yeah, like 
if I could go back, I would have slowed it down. I just would have b- yeah. brought the um, afterburners back a bit and put it in maybe third. Yeah. And it, ma- but then I would have been doing the same thing for fifteen years, like you were saying earlier. Mm. Like, do you do you want to do the same thing for fifteen years? Like, I'd much rather be going and building another one or a thing over in this industry or mm. that industry. As long as you're not tied to um, the success, like you were probably just too tied tied to the idea of success, and it's like that if if you're so attached to that part of the business then it's like you're not really going to give yourself room to you know slow it down this is like i the analogy i use is you're on a merry-go-round and it's spinning and you just can't get off of it like and that's the best way to describe it and if you could slow it down somehow so that you can step off because if i was to jump off of it i would have just got flung yeah into the side of the, the the wall but um yeah i think that if you're lucky enough to be successful where everyone's buying your stuff like that's when you need the most help because like it's not trying to get there it's like if you do lucky enough, yeah. if you're lucky enough to get there it's it's how it can go from there and i think um yeah like i mean you can have successful businesses and obviously people do, but it's, you know, it's... Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I just yeah. think that if you're like, you're saying that, you know, you want to use that in like the new sort of directions that you go and it's like you can be successful again. It's like, it's, I feel like the process has got to be what's successful to you. Like yep. just the act of doing it has to feel successful. Yep. So like for me, when I, when I do the podcast, like I'm in the act of being successful right now. I sort of don't... this isn't like any sort of goal around this and then and then in the morning i'll get up and i'll check my emails and then i'll do this edit and it'll just be switching the cameras and then picking good bits to post and it's just the process is just kind of the goal and and i feel like if if the process of doing it can be enough that's where like that's what success is look i think that's absolutely spot on um the beauty of this type of an industry is you can do this single-handedly or a couple of staff Mm. and you can you can scale it and it's it's the internet right so like you can a million people can listen to this it's simultaneously 10 million so the hard bit of more of an industrialized business is that there just inevitably is more moving parts and it's Mm. a much bigger monster to manage and uh technology is making that easier this is why technology is always where we're going to go but um but you're spot on like if you can just like if i was just designing t-shirts and doing cool print ads and making sick videos and i'd just done that yeah probably would have gone a lot further but it, you know you just as a business manager you know you if i want that thing done right it's tempting to just go in mm. and do it yourself and that that's wrong in, in many ways you want to like like steve jobs like get the best people and get out of the fucking way yeah uh so but yeah it's it's not easy and yeah. the, the simpler your business is like this is a great you know like this is a way of life for you this is something that you, yeah, you personally yeah. enjoy you get to meet people from all walks of life um and crazy people like me and basically help spread stories and people can it's better to learn off my mistakes mm. than do them yourself but I, I don't even know man like i don't even know that you could call it you know like learn obviously there's mistakes that are made but it's like you, you're right what you said man like i hadn't thought about it until the way he says like you just had this fucking experience that literally money can't buy like and the thing that i think is cool about my life is that shit like i've had some crazy fucking experiences that like you can't pay to go and do those things and it's like whether it's good or bad to be able to look back and have any kind of like wisdom on a topic that like you have this wisdom on 
a topic that other people just have no fucking idea about you know like i think it's cool too the the when you can relate to fewer people about a certain thing you've kind of lived a cool life like i think about ricky carmichael james stewart chad reed those three dudes had some of the craziest battles in motocross history they probably were at the peak of money they're at the peak of um rivalry that they just they existed in this tiny echo chamber that those three people can relate to and it's like you're in a a position as like or in australia where it's like there's not that many people that could relate to like the journey that you've been on so it's like i don't even know whether you could you should paint it with like a good or a bad it's like that just is a rare experience honestly it was just like a movie and in a movie you need a villain and you need a hero or a main character and then they go through this frequency of pain and anguish and hopefully celebration where it's a bad ending or whatever it is but the beauty is you've had this wave function that's gone up and down and like i've definitely got some really bad lows and some incredible highs like Mm. so i look at it like that i got to have this crazy sort of experience where i got to see the bottom and the top Mm. and i'm still alive and i'm still young enough to go and take that experience and, and apply it elsewhere and and um yeah it's we are in our own movie and mm. there's 33,000 33,000 days on set mm. and um you got to make it a box office that's that's how i say things to to people i know who are starting business and or just in life like mm. you know get out of bed and get out there and go and do something yeah um, dude the one of the really cool things i didn't i had no idea that you and your brother were still tight because i i heard that you guys weren't cool no. for a while and to me that's probably like that's one of the questions that I'm that's like a happy fucking if you want to say happy ending to a movie like what was the process like to getting back to that I just missed my brother you know like this your brother you got brother right Mm -hmm. yeah so like you guys have your own personality your own sense of humor certain things you could say to your brother that only your brother would get and like he'd be on the ground laughing you don't have that with other people like you don't have that certain nastiness too that you can be to your brother that you can't be to somebody else that's like the kind of fucked up thing this is true you've got this frequency again it's just like you can be good and and bad yeah Yeah, you know and i see that with my own two sons and i see them rile each other up over the same sort of thing um but yeah i just genuinely missed him in my life and um you know we both made mistakes and certain things we disagreed with with each other which inevitably pulled us apart but we just let that shit go I just wrote him a letter and I'm like, dude, like, I know this thing just ended poorly, but fuck, there's so much life left to live. We mm. went through this crazy ride, <clears throat> like, and he was doing really well with some things and I congratulated him on that. And, and I'm like, you know, like, let's not be dickheads. Let's just get back together. And yeah, he was like, sounds cool. And, you know, it took a little while to kind of get back and uh, family splits are horrible. Like my parents were just destroyed by that, you know, like it destroyed my parents. Yeah. That's fucking, I didn't even think about that. That would have fucked them up. Oh yeah. So um, it was pretty crazy. Then, uh, you know, like I said, went through a divorce. Like my entire family just broke to pieces basically. Um, But we're all a pretty tough bunch. Like, you know, my grandmother went up to the PNG in the middle of the 50s or wherever it was. So like we've got that DNA. Um, And so, yeah, I just, yeah, we just, we just made up and like we, we text each other every day and like send each other memes and shit. And like, you know, like we're probably tighter now than we were before it all happened. And like, we both know, we both went through some crazy ass shit that no one would wish upon anyone um and we came out of it alive and able to tell the story and um yeah just hanging out with him today and we were having a ball 
That's just pissing so ourselves all day. <laughs> yeah, fuck, man. That That is like, that's the one good that you want to come out of it. Yeah. Is if you start something with your family and then it goes to yeah. shit. I see families destroyed. You know, I've seen it in, in like other families that I'm associated with, like, you know, and yeah, it's a lot of the time it's over stupid shit and people mm. like be the, be the man and just write them a letter. Mm. How long did it take? Like, how long were you thinking about writing that letter before you wrote it? probably six months yeah yeah i reckon and then yeah like <clears throat> yeah it was just fairly easy to write and yeah i just i would say that i'd recommend that to everyone out there that are in a similar situation like no one's perfect mm. you know you're you're just as flawed as the next person and um your family is important you know and you got to keep those people close um and just be be the bigger man and apologize and and just acknowledge where you went wrong, where where you can fix things, and your family is more important than money or decisions that have ma- were made. You know, and you just you just carry on, and like there's so much more to give. Yeah, and that like what you said about it's like a long ass life. Mm, yeah, because about that three years felt like a fucking long ass time, and you're like, man, it there did. could be another like sixty of these. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was really good, and and like. Um, yeah like it's it's a yeah great relationship and yeah we've got like it's just so good to be able to talk to someone who went through the same thing as you that's That's like your family that's what i'm saying though is like when you when you do something so fucking unique that there's like not that many people that can relate to you that's that's a cool place to be whether the experience was kind of good or bad that's it's hard to be unique with seven billion people on the fucking world yeah yeah although it's like you're invariably unique but yeah well honestly yeah i i it, it was such a good feeling to make that better and um my family just was so stoked with it and um yeah like it's it's just too valuable your family is more valuable than money so keep close to them you know yeah so what what's next like you've got uh, the last time we spoke i won't say anything just in case it's not coming out but you had some cool you had some cool stuff that i was even interested in in trying out but I just yeah didn't so know where you're at with any of it look um yeah basically when you go through a divorce you can't grow your businesses so it's just the way that the system works and and um i had to put all my extra dreams on hold whilst i got that dealt with and um yeah that's been recently done so i can go and do some new things now and and i'm not rushing at it like a bull at a gate like i might have been you know when i was 26 um so i've got a few yeah little ideas that i wouldn't mind putting into the world which are already underway so just toying with when i launched them and how i launched them and and um some might succeed some might fail i don't know but i love the thrill of giving it a go um so yeah you'll see some things from me probably before christmas i hope and uh yeah as i said like i don't know if they're going to succeed whether they're whether they're as big as unit doesn't bother me like if there's if someone if i can improve someone else's life like these are in industries completely foreign to moto um but uh yeah i think there's room for them in the world so why not do it yeah i'm excited just to see where the paul everest brain goes because it is a fucking weird brain (laughs) and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing no i appreciate i i actually like as a kid i was always hanging out with the misfits and like i've always been in that sort of realm I, i actually take it as a compliment because it's a fucking crazy world maybe maybe you might be somewhat sane if you're seen as crazy you know and i I always always found myself gravitating to the crazy people or the people sort of thrown to the side or cast it away like for some reason that was always you know something that 
felt normal to me you know mm. um so yeah i i I feel really motivated. I feel like, yeah, I've got plenty of things left to do and say, and the, the world is insane. So there's more to say. Like comedians love this time because it's such a, mm. you know, it's such a moment in history. So certain certain people can say things and it has more amplification because it's more relevant to the conversation in the world. And um, yeah, I like making art. I like making industrial design. So I'm just going to flex that creative muscle essentially and it'll have different forms and different pathways it goes. And, and uh, I'm interested to see where they go myself. Like, and and uh, yeah, I'm not afraid of failure. Never have been. And, and um, yeah, like it's it's fun to actually sometimes getting it wrong means you can get it right so mm. that's that's it you don't you either learn or you win oh, so what is it you 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 learn or you um you, sorry, you win you, or you learn yeah you win yeah, or you yeah, learn yeah, yeah. um so yeah that's how i look at it yeah well dude it's been fucking cool getting a chat it's been the first time we've had a chance to chat like this so hope you enjoyed it I really enjoyed it. I've taken a lot out of it. And uh, yeah, hopefully someone can take a piece of this experience as well. And um, yeah, love to do it again sometime. And I yeah. appreciate you having me on. Yeah, people are probably going to be fucking bored through the thing, <laughs> shit in the middle where I was fucking talking. But it is, it's, it is interesting stuff. Like if you've had those kind of thoughts before and it's like, oh. it's hard to get like a no bullshit kind of, um, I don't know, like conversation around it too where people aren't. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a very delicate subject and it, people with open minds can really embrace it. And like, uh, yeah, like it's it's certainly something that we're, you know, as a species grappling with. And mm. uh, I love dialogue and debate around it where everyone's still friends at the end and you can just, you know, throw throw ideas out there and, and um, maybe some of it some of it works, some of it doesn't, but um, it's it's fun. It's it's part of being human, trying to figure out what the fuck this thing, this thing is. Yeah, well, I'll let, <laughs> I'll let you know that some of the, just the books and shit like that that I've, kind of read in the, the app too so sounds excellent and yeah meditation and taking things a bit slower i feel like that's that's been my lesson from today so <laughs> I, I appreciate well, that dude i'm sorry that i'm sorry you felt like it was a lesson no <laughs> i didn't mean I was, it to be a lesson for you. <laughs> wasn't trying to wasn't trying to be preachy but not i've definitely got tons out of it so good good times i appreciate it dude awesome cheers <laughs> thanks man yeah that was good fun dude yeah fuck you yeah you're a legend man it's, it's, it's cool to talk to you yeah, I said to uh, Jenna, my girlfriend, I said, like, it's so cool to have a moto podcast of this caliber, like, you know, with what you've done here. And, like, I think, um, yeah, this this is the future of media. And um, it's, it's good to, like, it's good to encapsulate what you've experienced in life in a forum like this. Like, that's going to live forever. Yeah. Somewhere on the internet, you know. So my story will live on. I might die tomorrow or, you know, whatever. But you get to capture people's stories for eternity. And I think um, your your ability to extract that is really good. And yeah. you know, you'll hone in on that as, as time goes on even more and you'll just be a channel for information that is like super valuable. It's hard so, like, cause I don't, I, do, I never want to come across like I'm um, just trying to like fucking preach to people and shit, you know? But it's like, I'm just, I've literally been for the last you know 10 years like I just was wandering around the US like I, I was fucking lost like and I was grinding you know like I always I love to grind I love to work and I just but that's all I did and I, I always just had these questions just constant questions and they were all just to do with like kind of what you were saying you know like what the fuck are we doing what, what here? is everything yeah like that's that's ultimately where you, you kind of end up getting is it's like 
my my form of like just dealing with like medication was trying to find out what is the universe like trying to go to every intellectual that's ever spoken of anything yeah. and just download all that shit and then try and like listen to physicists yeah talk about this and like chemical engineers trying to describe this and conscious people you know like and it's like that was my only way of trying to make sense of the world like, yeah. like there's got to be more to it than this like if my yeah. dreams have come true and then this is where i'm at like what is this thing you know yeah. like and then like that's just what like and i've never stopped like it's almost like it's almost like a problem well the, and bro it. like i felt the exact same way man like i i just was going and that's what i was sort of trying to say is like you go deeper into yourself and you just get to a point where you're like it's fucking wrong like you're not there's no point looking here like the, it just falls in on itself it's like you get to the bottom of it and then the bottom of it is is like oh I'm the I'm just all of these old thoughts yeah. that's all that in I'm in the accumulation of your yeah, former life you're, you're just like I'm this old fucking thing that isn't actually real like the thing that's real is like the person that's in the room and then I'm like oh you've been through the same thing like you're just this real like you're just this accumulation of old thoughts yeah. and it's like you didn't really have control over a lot of those inputs and it's just like you go well what you need to do is just be like the receiver that's here right now that's it yeah and it's like go tap into the self and tap into the memory to realize what you got to do tomorrow and what you got to do for your kids and what you got to do to procreate like there's a level that you have to tap into that self but don't understand don't try and understand it it's it's old yeah that's an old thing yeah this is it it's it's not it's not the direct necessity of the next step it's like it's like like a good song has space in it too you know like they let the yeah. beat drop like Tool or Pink Floyd are very good at like yes they drop the, the and I'm not a musician by any means but like just the way they would like delay it's like shit breathes space. and the yeah. graphic design like you know like you, you need like X amount of open space it's the golden ratio sort of shit you know yeah. like and that must be the mental scenario too in fact that's probably the easiest way for me to kind of compute it is it's like I'm not doing the golden ratio. Fuck, I've, tuck your headphones on and keep talking. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear this part. Yeah, I've just talking to you. Then I feel like um, yeah, the golden ratio thing is really powerful. And songs have music, and uh, sorry, songs have space, and mm. good graphic design has space. And having that space gives you a better reflection and a a better result and your brain needs space mm. and I feel like that's the golden ratio is how I can kind of compute what mm. you've said and I feel like yeah there's a lot in that for sure yeah it's just like yeah you just you kind of get to the point where I think like where you get to where yeah and you know when you you hear people that like I've never had that experience with like mushrooms and shit where they say they have like the ego death but I've thought about like have you ever had like a bad trip or what you equate to like a bad trip only once I feel like now when I look back I, I wouldn't say it's like bad trips but like bad ex- or like experiences that in the moment I gave them the value of bad but all I think it was is just like the um, that that whole ego thing that's, I think that's why they call it an ego death is because like you get to the point where you like you just have to let go of it like you actually can't continue yeah. being in that that body you've got to just like go away for a bit and I feel like the people when they say they come out of that kind of experience and like ayahuasca and dmt and stuff they come out of it realizing that they were too attached and that like there is a point where you do just have to let go and that's what when you you know when you talk about the meditation and shit it's like 
all you're doing is realizing that it's all you you're like in something all you've got to do is just step out and like at this when i've when i was first getting i'd say like better is like a weird term but i started like seeing progress with certain things and i would the feeling that i would um describe is that like there was like there's like this box that you're in like a room and then there's a door and then when you open the door and then you put your face out of it and to where you can't see the edges it's like you're just suspended and the world's happening out in front of you and like you can live with the door open and never know that the room's back there and then like you close the door and then you just you can sit in that room and you can make that room look however the fuck you want because it's like it's you just closing your eyes you know and i just started to i started to associate I read a thing, uh, Marcus Aurelius's uh, book, Meditations, and it said, like, I can't remember the fucking quote. I really should remember it. But it was, like, in every man's mind should be, like, uh, this palace, safe place, kind of whatever. And I thought that was real interesting. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of what you... That's kind of, like, where you're going. Like, if you leave... If you close your eyes, so, like, the visual stimulus is gone, and then you close your mind to where like the thought stimulus is going then you're just kind of in that room and then that was like the f- the first thing where i was like oh i really should just try and like close the door on that room and then just like being you know imagine that you're in like a fucking bean bag or whatever so you just you're sitting down you're in that room and then your 10 minute fucking you know sam harris comes in he's like all right in the final minute of this session so the same thing every time and then you're like oh fuck yeah like i was just in that room like i wasn't anywhere and then you 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 know the only reason you know the time is because you know that it was a 10 minute thing the more time you spend in that room you figure out that there's no it's the same as your eye field of you it's the same thing like there's no fucking walls there's no and then you're just there it's like stepping back into the metaverse sort of thing that we was talking about earlier like you almost like just enveloping falling back into a type scenario so like i, I prefer thinking in pictures because my brain works that way so like just listening to those like descriptions of how to imagine like they say if you want to fall asleep imagine a, a, a scrunched up ball of paper falling mm. burning and imagine that and then you fall asleep like that really helped me you know i think in pictures yeah so yeah i'm one of those people that need like i need like a, a visual a, cue. a rabbit does this and then i think you know like i need stuff like that so yeah that's that certainly makes that sense to me and and meditation something that i definitely want to do more of but uh yeah it's just uh getting getting it right and figuring out how to approach it but that sort of visualization yeah. pictures, pictures etc will, will help it ties in with all like because you're so into the physics and shit yeah I, I feel like i'm just over like just i don't know like just you know running my tires you know just blowing them off and, and you know and uh yeah learning that stuff would definitely be interesting and probably help convey what what's really going on better mm, <laughs> yeah all right dude i'll let you go I was like fucking interested what you're saying. I was like, chuck them back on, chuck them back on. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to... Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. 
Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.